You know, I have to say, I've really been looking forward to meeting you. They think you're a weapon. I'm not. And the ranch thinks you're their savior. I'm not any of those things. I belong in another world. There are people there. They watch us. They've been watching us for a very long time. I need to go where I belong. You're listening to the Buzzed Kill Podcast. Episode 229, welcome back to the Buzz Skill Podcast, where today we channel our inner 80s and throw it back to a better time when cameras were super, the coke was new, and our parents still loved us in Throwback to the Future. <laughs> Hi, James. Hi, Michael. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Ready to, ready to, ready to go back to the grand, you, old, did, the grand old 80s? Did you say the coke was new? Yeah, that's when new Is that coke. when the new, new coke formula came out? Yeah, new coke came out. Didn't and it, it lasted like a year. Yeah, I was gonna say, didn't it suck? <clears throat> I don't. Yeah, I. I don't know. I didn't. I wasn't drinking Coke when I was five years old, which is how old I was coming out of the eighties. And I don't believe that it existed after that. So you weren't living then, my my friend. Oh, I'm sorry. Was, was your was your mother <laughs> feeding you a uh, uh, new Coke from the teeth? <laughs> yeah. <Is that laughs> yeah, you know those. Have you ever seen like the fake like the fake boob that uh, that um, like the dudes wear? That dads the, the, can the dad wear? boobs. Yeah. yeah. Big Jim had one of those strapped on and just had new Coke in it. <laughs> new Coke in one, whiskey in the other, so you could have a mixed drink if you switched there you it go. up. <laughs> it's not a bad idea to do now, actually. He actually just had a straw coming from that one going up into his own mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. Totally get it. Uh, what's going on, guys? I'm Mike. I'm Jim. And uh, today, we are, uh, we're throwing it back. You know, some, some modern movies that throw it back to... The old days, either in time period or mostly just the feel. Just the feel. I you mean, know, one of the them style. actually is. One of them actually does take place in what the seventies. Uh, yeah. yeah. And then the other one takes place, you know, nowadays, but definitely feels like an old. Oh. Like an old 100%. Hamlin movie or something like that. Yeah, it's it's definitely got the feel of like a, uh, <laughs> uh, 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 Close Encounters of the Third Kind kind of movie or whatever. Or or I brought up another movie to you, but I'm going to save that for when we talk about it later. Yeah. Um, if I remember to bring it up, I always say stuff like that, and then we never go back to it. I'll try Like, it. for example, I was listening to the, uh, last week's episode, right? And uh, one of the things that I brought up was, oh, hey, random fact. Did you see the connection between uh, uh, Roar and Dust Devil? And we never went back to it. Oh. It was one of, it was one of the actors. It was, the, it was one of the actors that played in Dust Devil. Um, I can't remember the actor's name, but he was one of the... Uh, 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 oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he was one of what? He, yeah, he was one of the guys that showed up on the boats in the beginning. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of their names. The, uh, the committee the, the or council. Some... The committee. committee thank you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's one of the committee guys, and he showed up in both movies. I thought he looked familiar. He was the. He was like the. Was he the detective? He was the or detective. The, the, the sheriff, Devil, yeah. sheriff's deputy or whatever the hell in Dust Devil. Yeah. Yep. Well, um, that's exactly who he was. And like I said, yeah, we never I, we never brought uh, that back I, up. I knew that I. <laughs> yeah. 
So we did just now. That's Sorry, right. Vito. You shouldn't, you shouldn't. You shouldn't do that shit where you like on shows. You go, "Hey, did you notice this?" And then I go, "No." And then you go, "We'll get there. We'll get there." Because we don't. Just, I, I'm terrible. Just say it. I know. Just say it. I know. You know. Also, thank you for for yelling at me and airing our dirty laundry on on air. Appreciate that. Right now. Yeah. That's what that. I do. That's <laughs> just. That's just what I do. It's called it's called holding you responsible with your peers. I'm hopped up on Sudafed and Bud Light right now. <laughs> oh yeah, no, nice. I'm, I'm not really hopped up yet, but I did take a Sudafed because, as you can probably, I'm all of my uh, what's the what's the letter that always comes out improperly when you have a stuffy nose? Like, is it ends? Ends always sound like oh, D's yeah, or something yeah. like that. Yeah. It was really clean in here, so I don't know. But I, I've my allergies kicked in like high gear today, and uh, so I apologize if I have the sniffles all night. Yeah, Michigan, uh, Michigan went to spring really fucking quickly over the past week. Real quick, it has been sixty to seventy degrees almost every day this past yeah. week. It's been fucking gorgeous. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, meanwhile, down in uh, like California and stuff, it's been freezing. Like like in Santa Barbara, there was literally snow on the ground. You know, I'm starting to think that there's something to this whole. Uh, <laughs> like, I keep seeing people, uh, like some of the some of the more paranoid amongst us, um, posting shit about, um, uh, like chemtrails and and mm-hmm. harp. Like harp is a real thing. Oh sure, harp is a very real thing, and and they are essentially learning how to manipulate weather patterns and stuff like that. And there's people who are thinking like, that's it. They did it. This is it. <laughs> like, <laughs> like they're like, this is the big test to figure out if they, they can actually pull this shit off. And I'm like, you know, it is weird that all of a sudden just the entire lower half of our country, that's usually, you know, at least 80 degrees plus, during all parts of the year is suddenly dropping into freezing cold temperatures and and snowing I'm, and stuff. I'm starting it's pretty think, messed up. I'm starting to think this whole uh, this whole climate change thing might not be fake after all. <laughs> yeah, right. Crazy. <laughs> it's crazy, James. Because everybody knew that was a whole that was a sham. Oh, of course, I of think, course it was. <laughs> I think we were all in agreement about that. So, um, well, that's the thing is like I always I always was like. I, I was always that dick who was like, well, this doesn't seem like, because everybody said global warming. It's global warming. And I was like, but it's fucking freezing outside. It's not global warming. That's not. That's, so then the they, I know, I know, I know. It's not I like know. where we're at. I know. <laughs> um, But even still, that's not. But that is, but that is one of the big still, things, still, that's not entirely accurate. Like they say that the, they say that the um, ice caps are melting. They're not melting. They're just freezing at a slower rate. They're still freezing. That's, they're which just, means which means that they're melting. They're not melting. They're, they're with they're withdrawing. They're drawing back. No, they're which not, means yes, they are. They're, we're we're, they're, we're losing the surface area of our polar they, ice caps. Yeah, they they will begin melting. No, they already have, James. They're they're they are still currently freezing, Mike. They're just freezing at a slower rate. It's like it's like a it's like a yo-yo. Like imagine imagine a, a yo-yo getting to the bottom. That's like the freeze going down, down, down. It's still freezing, and then once you hit the bottom, it snaps back up. Right? We haven't we haven't reached the the snap. I'm not up sure yet. that analogy made any it's sense. It's not a great analogy, but it's the <laughs> only one I could think of. Or think of like a I guess think of a pendulum. You know, a pendulum swings <clears> one <throat> way. We haven't reached the apex where it's going to start swinging back yet into the the melting. 
Well, tell we're you still what, freezing. What. We're just freezing on the way up to the apex. Because we're both idiots and we have no idea what we're actually talking about, this can be a correction for next week. Well, it doesn't need that? to be because I'm right. Well, we'll, we'll see about that, big boy. Well, no, because um, you and I actually <clears throat> fought about this once, and I looked it up on the NASA website, and I confirmed it, and then you ate crow for a week. No, I happen to like crow. I so. literally made you eat crow. <laughs> I went out and I shot seven crows, and I made you eat one a day. No, you're the crow killer, like uh, like Rob Zombie. <laughs> Rob <his> Zombie. Song. <laughs> <laughs> nice segue. Rob Zombie right? released Bringing a new it song back. today, y'all. Actually, oh, a, whole, topical. a whole new album, right? Yeah, album dropped today. Um, I have not listened to it yet. I actually didn't realize it was dropping today, but uh, I plan to because I have picked up every record he's put out in the last, I don't know, 15 years or so, 20 years, pretty much ever since. I liked... I liked. What the hell was the name of his first record? Wow. I can't think of it. Um, I don't know. Um, all, of his, all of his album yeah. names are so long and weird. They really are. They really are. At, at least the, the, the recent ones are. The yeah. last three are just super bizarre, weirdo Rob Zombie records. And I love them, personally. Maybe Hellbilly Deluxe, that's what it was called. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, I guess that's Yeah, ever since then, though. He's been through a lot of phases, though. Like, he put out a record called... Uh, <laughs> Uh, something horses, and it was like a it was super twangy. Like, was, I don't want to say country it was influenced. Wild, wild, it was wilder horses. It was his <laughs> wilder horses. Wilder horses. Isn't that the name of that? Uh, isn't that the name of that stupid um, country? F- oh, festival the festival. That everybody yeah, it is. You're right. You're right. Like everybody pretends they're in the country for two or three days just so that they can it's... dress like 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 horish cowboys. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like movement downtown Detroit. Everyone everyone fakes being into electronic music for a weekend because they want to go down and just do a bunch of drugs. God, how many fake? How fake many, like they're being how, cool. How many people absolutely just hate being there? Oh well, if I was there, I'd be one of them. Yeah, but I'm not there. Therefore, yeah. It's like how many our, people get dragged there uh, against their own uh, their own free will because they're going with their with their significant other yeah. or whatever, and they just are just miserable for forty eight straight hours. It's like, that's how it, that's how I figure like Electric Forest is. Well, Half I was going to I was going to say forest. I was going to say our buddy John got dragged to Electric Forest one or two times, and I was mm-hmm. like, and he always tried to say, yeah, it's like it's totally cool, man, it's awesome. And but I in go, fairness, Fuck though, you. but in fairness, John's a chameleon. So that's true. all he has to do is meet one person that he like sort of bros with, and he will literally just sing nothing but electronic music for the next five years. We should because sh- he thinks it's awesome. We should ship him off to the uh, the family gathering and see if he comes. Oh, see if he comes away like the biggest ICP fan. <laughs> he's he's going to come back with pipe cleaners in his hair and like <laughs> just carries a two liter of Fago around with him everywhere. And 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 in the other hand, he's just got whippets that he's doing constantly. <laughs> <laughs> I was behind a guy on 13 Mile today whose back windshield was just decked out with ICP stuff. And I was like, oh, man, yeah, this guy's living his life. Juggalos. Woo, 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 woo. I'm sorry if anybody out there listening in uh, Radio Land is a juggalo. No, hey, not. I don't know why you're listening to our show, but... Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I'm not. I'm not sorry. Me. I would. I, I would. If if you were here with me right now, I would make fun of you to your face because let's <laughs> let's face it, your your taste in music is weird. And then, I'd actually ask and then them we would, how magnets and work. And then we'd have that, a, that's what I would ask him. And then we'd have a laugh and we'd have a beer and we'd get over it. And you'd make fun <laughs> of me because I like to listen to, uh, you know, like the Frozen soundtrack or something like that. <laughs> Did you just say something about magnets? I was going to say, if I had somebody that uh, juggling for me, I'd ask them how magnets work. They don't know. 
They don't. They don't know. <laughs> Did you find out yet? <laughs> Has anyone figured this shit out yet? <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, uh, so, so of, weird, oh, weird thing happened this week. Sorry, weird thing happened this week. I think I'm haunted. Okay. I think that I'm haunted. Okay. I think that my, I think that my food is being haunted. I have a, I have a food ghost. Okay. I had I had takeout twice this week. Okay. Fat piece the of first shit. bill, six dollars sixty six cents. Yeah. I saw that and I go, Oh, that's peculiar. But whatever, didn't think anything of it. And then I got food the second time a couple days later, and my bill was fourteen dollars and eight cents. Fourteen oh eight. Fourteen oh eight. And I'm thinking to myself, how weird is that, right? Yeah. I think I'm haunted. What that's all you- it takes for me. <laughs> More importantly, what did you order that was only six dollars and sixty six cents? Um, what did I get? It was uh, is it Kroger? I don't know. It was probably pieces. It was probably like the ingredients I needed for my meal. But oh, well, that's not takeout. You said you sure. got takeout. Well, okay, well, I got food out somewhere. Is what I meant. Fourteen oh eight though was definitely takeout because that was at Hungry Howie's. Hungry Howie's. But don't you usually get the same thing? No, I got a uh, I got a salad and a, and a sub. It was 1408. A pizza place. I know, right? What a weirdo. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> they got good subs, man. Do they? Their I've fucking never had steak one. and mushroom sub is bomb o. It is so good. You and your steak and mushroom subs. <laughs> do, I, do I have a thing yep. with steak and mushroom yeah, subs? Yeah, you just never stop talking about them. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so sorry. Like three times on every episode of our show, it's steak I, and um, mushroom sub. I had. I had no idea that I was bringing you up that much. I apologize. <laughs> it's, I think it's just a. I think it's a like a subconscious thing. You don't even realize it. <laughs> I, it I must wish, be. <laughs> I wish I would roll with this and actually, it actually just stick to that. And then you go back and just start re-listening to the episodes, going, "Where the fuck did I talk about steak and mushroom subs?" This is driving me crazy. <laughs> I, I end up listening to like three hundred hours worth of the two of us talking just to find them. <laughs> You just send Josh Entner back to do it. He'd do it. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, I'm hiring you. I'm paying you ten bucks a day. Um, do it. So I uh, I went on vacation last week, right? You did. How was yeah, that? That was good. It was fun. I think that we got like the last possible day that you could be on on the hill at uh, Nub's Knob. Because the next day, the day that we were, the day that we were actually there snowboarding was fifty degrees, so the snow was, mm-hmm. you know, the quality of the snow was not the greatest. I don't know, dude. You're shredding gnar. I could shred the gnar in pretty much any conditions. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I mean, did you did you get off the hill and then shred the bar? Shred. Get it. Shred get the it. bar. Um, Instead of gnar, it's bar. I didn't shred the. That's what you do. I didn't shred the bar. Are you talking about like an actual bar, like going out yeah. to drink? Yeah. I didn't shred the bar until uh, until we got to Frankenmuth. Okay. Okay. And then we went to a place called Prost. Prost. And I totally shredded that place. <laughs> I got two drinks while I was there. <laughs> I actually also visited a bar in the last week and a half. Why? Which was very, very weird. Um, so we were it's we were downtown. O- it's okay me and, me and when I do it. It's not okay when no, you no. Do it. <laughs> well, me and the, me and the lady were downtown, and uh, not downtown Detroit in uh, Rochester. Rochester is that where we were? I don't fucking remember. Rochester? Where we were. Why? We, no, why it wasn't Rochester. Rochester. Where the fuck were we? No, where were we? We went to. 
Oh my God, where the fuck were we? Oh my God. It, where's where's uh, um, uh, One Eyed Betty's at? Not One Eyed Betty's, that's downtown. I have no idea One Eyed Betty's fuck. is. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, what is wrong with me? Why can't I think of where the hell I was? I don't know. Ferndale? No. Royal Oak? No. Um, uh, Madison Heights? No, well, you, whatever. It doesn't matter go, where we did were. You go, how, really, did you go hang out in Mount Clemens? <laughs> oh no, I'm sorry. It was it was Royal Oak. <laughs> what are you? We were, we were in Royal Oak. <laughs> God, you're an idiot. <laughs> it, yeah. Okay. No, my bad. My bad. I forgot that we had we had gone there. So what'd you do? So we were uh, me and the lady were in uh, in Royal Oak uh, this weekend or past weekend or so, and uh, we went down to a place that has because she's vegan, so we had to find the restaurants that, that cater to that, Ugh, which is which God. is fine. No, but there's it's like not. a there's a, a there's a bar in Royal Oak that has like a like a half their menu is regular, half their menu is like vegan, so it's good for for both or whatever. Oh, God, and we ended up going over. there to get some. We ended up going there to get some lunch, and. Uh, it was a little bit chilly outside, so we were gonna we were gonna wait inside the door. We're like, fuck it, we're here. Let's just grab a drink at the bar. Oh and on but here's the thing though. Here's the thing though. Uh they had opened back up to like fifty percent and all that stuff or whatever, right? They're they're laxing the rules. We still never took our masks off. We still didn't feel comfortable. So just, whenever we would take right a drink, through your ma- mask. yeah, right through it. Now, whenever we would just take a drink, we would just pull the mask up a little bit, mm. but we never took them off. Right. Wait, I just I just don't feel comfortable with it yet. Um even being in there though and sitting at a bar in a bar yeah it was a weird feeling yeah like, it we, was a super <laughs> weird odd feeling yeah we it's the were first time a, that i've done it in over a year we were in a tent like that was attached to the side of the building you know mm-hmm. and it was like even that i was like we were both we were both like yeah it's kind of strange because it was our first time at a restaurant in over a year you know yeah so yeah. it was kind of weird it, it is though right it's, like, it's it's almost like you feel like you're not supposed to be doing it like you've been trained to to be afraid of that or to be I got over, at least at least weary of it. I got over it pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. Just I, I don't know. I you're still sitting like 12 feet uh, 12 feet from everybody around you. Well, you were. We when we were in the bar, we weren't. <clears throat> like there was granted they still have people separated like not it's 50%, so there's still gaps, you know. Mm-hmm. But like from where we were sitting, you know, we're at the bar and to our backs so the table right behind us. So we were only like 5 feet away, maybe. Yeah. But we had our backs to them, whatever, bartenders were all wearing masks and all that kind of stuff. So, like I said, we didn't feel like we were going to die or anything like that. But it was it was definitely a weird feeling getting just doing normal things just seems weird now. Yeah, I'm sure we'll I fall just, back into it pretty quickly once we can, but... I went into... It was odd. Later that same night, I walked down to this bar called Tiffany's to pick up dinner for us. And I went in, and it's kind of like the local hangout. Mm-hmm. So I walked in, and I mean, there was... There was probably, I don't know, 30, 35 people in this tiny little bar, and nobody's wearing masks or anything like that. It's just... Well, you don't have to. No, That's you do Right. So it's... it's and, and I didn't feel... I had my mask on still, but I, I didn't feel weird or anything. Like, I, I didn't look at all these people and go, oh, you're all terrible people. I just... I don't... Well, now you can't almost because, like, back, back before the vaccine was available, you sort of kind of could judge people a little bit for for being whatever but now when you walk into places you don't know who's gotten fully vaccinated you don't know who's gotten their shots you know what i'm saying so it's like it's i feel i feel like you can't really say too much about that now because mm-hmm. so many people have gotten it whether they be teachers or healthcare workers or or whatever mm-hmm. um so it's kind of one of those things now where it's like 
I have to operate under the fact that if people are out and about and doing stuff without a care, it's because they feel like they can because they've taken the steps to do so. Yeah. And that's just how I sleep at night. Yeah. You know? But uh, anyway, <clears throat> Jim. Yeah. <laughs> did you do anything else fun this week? Uh, oh, hey, I watched Hamilton finally. Oh, did you? I did, yeah. So good, right? It is really good. Um, yeah, like, way, way to be way to be just way late to the game like me. <laughs> I I like being way late to most games just because uh, when things get and and this I don't think that this would have fallen to the like overhype, uh, like it fallen into the overhyped category for the me. The hype but, was the hype was adequate, right? I've had I've had that happen to me. You know, like it's we we call it the. Um, Eternal Sunshine effect, right? Sure. Because everybody said that Eternal Sunshine was like the greatest movie ever, and then it turned out it f- just sucked, right? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> a movie sucks. Um, I don't like the movie, but whatever. What's that? It's not. I, I like the movie. I don't think it's as amazing as some people claim that it is, though. I think well, it's the it's the overhyping, though. It didn't live up to its hype, so it, maybe it doesn't. Sure. Maybe it doesn't suck as much as I remember it sucking, but because it was so overhyped, and people told me it was the best movie in the world. Exactly. I was like, oh, that was just not a very good movie. So anyway, Hamilton lived up to the hype, though. But I do like kind of being late to the to the party just because that's just how I roll. But yeah, are you, it's are so- you like me now? Are you going to put it on in the background all the time or listen to it, the soundtrack on Spotify <laughs> and all that stuff? Well, I, already, I got really, really into it for I a I already bit. listened to the I listened to the soundtrack as I was driving my kids around and stuff today because... Um, when you first watch it, I had heard like bits and pieces of the soundtrack before, but mm-hmm. when you first watch it and there's all of the visual, um, you know, like all of that visual uh, information coming at you, as well as like a lot of really wordy rap songs and stuff like that, it's hard. Really, it, really wordy. It's hard to take it all in uh, at one time, you know. So like, I I watched the play and i really enjoyed it and i took in as much as i possibly could and then today i was listening to the just the soundtrack by itself because i without the visual information it's much easier to focus on the story and like focus on focus on the lyrics and stuff like that and it's just sure lin-manuel miranda's brain the way his brain works it's amazing like, yeah incredible but it's I not, can't wait I, to see what he I'm, does next. I'm not, I wasn't surprised to find out, though, that it took him six years to write that because it's Oh, like, are you kidding me? For how complex those songs oh, are yeah, and how much is into them and then doing the actual show and everything else? Yeah, that's... Well, not it. I mean, that it only took him six years. Just the writing process was six yeah, years. Yeah, even and that. On top I, of that, like putting together the production, you know, like, and, and dude, rehearsing. Some like, I can't pop imagine punk how... Bands What's that? Some pop punk bands take five years to write a twelve song record that is just simply "I love you, I miss you, you broke my heart." Like oh, that took them four years, oh, and every that, song is the same. Is Glib releasing a new <laughs> album? <laughs> that's what I'm saying, though. Like to write to write a show like Hamilton, though. Oh man, that's nuts. Yeah, his like that's his. He's got. Just, he's a genius. His brain just works on a different level, dude. It's yeah. crazy. I would I would recommend to you on Spotify there is a version of the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. That it's called um, Hamilton, the the something I forget what it's called, but it's uh, it's Hamilton, wrapped by big time rappers or oh, having really? or or having or they put their own uh, uh, verses into parts of Hamilton really? and whatnot. It's it's really really awesome. Yeah, I almost I'm gonna I, I list, highly recommend it. I'm gonna listen to that, but I I almost like I almost think I won't like it as much, just because I like the. 
it's not that it's better or worse. It's yeah. just different. Yeah. It's just different. And if you appreciate it for, for just for being that, you'll, you'll really like it. I, I enjoyed it. Quite yeah. A bit. I'll check it out. But, um, um, yeah, but anyway, though, it. yeah, it was awesome. Um, yeah, cool. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, speaking of things we should have gotten to way earlier, <laughs> do we have any corrections from nice. last week? Nice. We do. Let's, uh, let's cue up that great, great sound we love so much, James. Stupid! You're so stupid! All right, James. Uh, we did, uh, as always, get some stuff wrong last week because oh, we're, you know, smart guys. Yeah. Smart guys over here. Mm. Um, okay, so I went into this little rant about Weezer last week Weezer. about how about how the guy from Toto, like the keyboard player from Toto, was pissed at Weezer because they were dicks to him or something like that. Yep. I got the full scoop. I don't want to speak ill of all of the guys in Weezer, so I need to uh, I need to step back a little bit here. Okay. Um, first off, it was the guitar player from Toto, not the keyboard player. Okay. Uh, and he was miffed at Rivers Cuomo specifically. Okay. And here's why. Um, he goes, he goes, I tried to reach out to rivers. I said, Hey man, isn't this funny? Whether you like, uh, whether you like us or not, it's working out good for both of us. And then rivers said nothing to him. Like he just tried to reach out and say, Hey, you know, it was cool that you covered the song. We're, we're both getting some good stuff out of this, whatever, you know, tried just to reach out funny... to him on what though? I have no idea how, Yeah, but he goes, uh, he goes, uh, the cat refused silence. The cat refused to talk to me. I'm, the, I'm friends with the biggest rock and roll stars in the world, and this is the only cat that refuses to talk to me. I'm sorry, Rivers. You made a lot of fucking money off this. You should be a little more thankful. But I've got nothing to say bad about them as a band. Some of them are really cool, but Rivers really hurt my feelings. Oh. So he's miffed. The guy from Toto is miffed at Rivers. Oh, Rivers hurt your feelings. Oh. He did. Poor so, baby. Just wanted to, you know... <laughs> Make it more clear that the guy from Toto is actually just a big pussy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like um, it's the, like, the rains in Africa were just him crying over uh, <laughs> over Rivers Cuomo. <laughs> rivers, cry me a river, right? Cry um, me a river. Uh, I mean, what if? Because like Rivers Cuomo doesn't strike me as somebody who spends a lot of, if any, time on social media. Yeah, I don't know if that's how this happened, um, or how that how if that's where this went down. But. Yeah, I don't know. Like if that's how he reached out, there's a good chance that he, maybe he never even saw it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. Know. No idea. Um, let's see. You're moving on. Lionsgate owns Stars, not the other way around. I said that Lionsgate was a Stars company, other way around, and then also. I said that the Scream Awards were Bill Murray dressed up in full uh, Ghostbusters regalia and accepted the award. Uh, I said that was the last Scream Awards. Yeah. I was incorrect. That actually was 2010. The very last Scream Awards were 2011. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, that's all I got. What about you? Um, I said that uh, microdosing seems like it's a, like a new thing. Microdosing, in fact, has been around since the 60s. Uh, although it's kind of at its high, height of popularity right now. Uh, one mm-hmm. of the articles I was reading earlier said that um, it's touted in Silicon Valley as the um, the brain hack du jour. I've heard that before. Which is funny to think all these big tech nerds are just like sitting around microdosing LSD. What, you think you think guys like Elon Musk don't microdose on like a regular basis? Elon Musk doesn't have to because his brain is already half computer. <laughs> he's, I'll say he's already, he's already an android. <laughs> no, but fuck like 
like Jack Dorsey, maybe that that dude looks like he's on drugs. So yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. So uh, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't deny that. Um, the other... I've, I've actually I've actually heard that before though. That's like the cocktail of choice in Silicon Valley is, is microdosing on like LSD and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It, so. it, I I don't th- like when you actually microdose. Uh, I don't think it does much in the way of like actual, uh, um, like as, psychedelics. Yeah, as an as a psychedelic, it, it literally like some people have described it to me as um, like it it reroutes connections in your brain. Sure, and like opens up your, just like completely opens up your brain to a, a new world of, you know, like a a new way of thinking. I kind of want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Like I'm not kidding you. I kind of want to do it. I, I, uh, I'm fine with not. I don't know. I like my brain the way it is. I mean, although I, I don't, don't know. I don't like my brain the way it is. So, you know. Yeah, but you don't. You don't do anything. All you do is uh, drink a bunch of beer. I've every time that I've taken uh, t- taken weed. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I've smoked though, or or taken edibles, or whatever, yeah. it doesn't do anything to me. It's you, either it's either too much or it's nothing. That's because you don't know how to do things in moderation. Well, that might be true. <laughs> I had a um, I had half of a gummy uh, the other day, and I was told that a full gummy will put even a person that is used to taking them uh-huh. a full gummy will put them on their ass. Yeah, half a gummy did nothing. Didn't even feel it. Really? Absolutely nothing. I guarantee you, though, if I would have taken the full one, I probably would have been fucking spaced out of my mind. <laughs> so I don't know where the happy medium is for me. Um, uh, 75% of a gummy. Uh, you know what, James? What You're so like. smart. You're so smart. You eat it from the, you eat it from the balls up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm into that. I can do that. I have, pra- I have practice in those realms. Um, the eating, other... uh, eating a little bear from the balls up. <laughs> The other thing is, uh, it's not really a, a, a correction, but just something that we didn't even, we kind of skipped over when we were talking about the beer last week. It was called mm-hmm. Fear Movie Lions. Yeah. And it was it was obviously meant to highlight the FML part of the whole thing, like the fuck my life, because it, uh, because it had to do with making mistakes, you know? Okay. So... I never, I never would have put two and two together on that. Well, if you look at the can, the F and the M and the L on Fear Movie and Lions are all in big red letters. Oh. So. <laughs> I guess I didn't pay attention to that. Yeah. So, anyway. It couldn't be more clear. FML, all right? right. Uh, all right, James. It. That was last week. What are we doing this week? So, this week, we are throwing it back to the future, right? Because we're clever. Yes, sir. Um, and... To do that, we watched uh, one newer Amblin movie that throws it back to you know the 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 feeling, the nostalgic feeling of the older Amblin movies. Mm-hmm. Super Eight. Yep. Super um, Eight. Which takes... this was this was a bucket list movie for you. This is one of those movies that I had could not believe that you hadn't seen uh, that I had been wanting you to see for a, probably since we started this show. Yeah. So I'm so happy four years four years and change in. We can finally cross that off your well, list. It's, it's ten years old that I've I've wanted to see it since it came out. And it's just yeah. I just never got around to it. And I'm glad I, saw I it finally in theaters. did. I saw you it did. in theaters and Yeah, that would have been a good one. It was just as good watching it now. I haven't watched it in years. So it was just I mean, I'm sure I'll touch on this later, but like, I remember watching it the other night and thinking to myself, "Man, I remember 
exactly how I felt watching this in the theater on the big screen. Because mm-hmm. that that train explosion on a big screen yeah. is fucking beautiful. Yeah. But um, yeah, for sure. I I really liked it. Um, and then the other movie that we watched is uh, it was kind of Midnight a shot. Special. It was kind of a shot in the dark. Neither one of us had really well, known much heard about it. it. We had heard yeah. of, about it, but we didn't really know what to expect. But just from the trailer, we kind of got the sense that it was the right pick for this week. So, uh, and I'd yeah, say that it was. Yeah, so that's uh, Midnight Special from, what was that, from 2015, 2014, 20, or 2015, yeah, I, something like that. I It's in my notes somewhere here. Um, I don't have it. I think it's 2015. So Yeah, I think I think you're right. And then to go with that, this one's a... I don't... I, to be it's honest, a little... To be honest, I don't entirely get... It's a stretch. Get, yeah, I don't, I don't... You're gonna maybe have to explain the connection here. Okay, okay. Um... From Dogfish Head, this is Super 8. Super goes. Uh, I don't know. You wanna you wanna explain this one to me? I or? just figured. I just figured it's it, it was it sounded like it rhymed with one of the movies. That's that's it. Which one? Uh, Midnight Special. Midnight, okay. Midnight Special. Super, Super 8. Goes. I guess it's pretty close. Pretty close. <laughs> Um, yeah, so this is... Could there be, could there be a more perfect beer for... <laughs> no. I mean, you watch Super 8, you drink Super 8. Uh, it's almost annoyingly on the nose, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, off-centered ales for off-centered people. Brewed and canned by Dogfish Head Craft Brewery in Milton, Delaware. I don't think I realized that Dogfish Head was in Delaware. Milton? Uh, what a, what a nerdy city. <laughs> Nerd. In Delaware, of all places. <laughs> who, who lives in Delaware? <laughs> our, our sessionable goes brewed with a bevy of heroic fruits and quinoa pours a deep vibrant red with an ample addition of hawaiian sea salt that sounds lovely doesn't it it really does um and there's i wish they had a glass to put this in but i have I other beer in my glass right now so chug it dummy uh it's a full beer i, I just poured why would you do a that? full glass i don't because i wasn't thinking oh, i'll just so can this one for a minute all right, so just a few notes. Appearance is vibrant red. The aroma is of watermelon, berries, fruit, citrus, and cherries. Flavors of salted watermelon, berries, citrus, tart, and quenching. Food pairings, teriyaki chicken, mango chutney, fruit salad, and goat cheese. Best served in a shaped pint glass. Not just any pint glass, Mike, but a shaped a one. Shaped. I don't, uh, I don't have one of those handy, unfortunately. And it's got some uh, superhero fruit on the front. That's it pretty, does. It's pretty cute. Yeah, because of the because uh, of the aliens, they gave them superpowers. What is that one with the with like the weird looking tubes on his head though? What's he supposed to be? The weird tubes. You talking about the the green what guy? What the fuck are you looking at? The green guy. Oh, the main guy. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a cactus. Those are prickly pears. Oh, a prickly pear. Come on, James. Oh. Come say, on, James. Where does it say prickly pear on here? I just know that's what it is. Oh. Prickly. It's literally the first ingredient after sea salt. <laughs> I'm looking at it on the can right now. Oh. Ale made with red sea salt, prickly pear, <laughs> mango, oh, boysenberry. Oh. Ooh, I like boysenberry. Boysenberries are for boys only. I don't know if you knew that. They're for boys and berries. Ooh, boys They're and for bears. Boys named Barry. Ooh. <laughs> boys and bears making dairy. Ooh. <laughs> That's getting Gr- weird. Gross. All right, let's try this. All right, cheers, sir. Cheers, bud. Ding. 
Mm, that's good. That's refreshing. Quite refreshing. And sour. Quite and refreshing, isn't it? Boysenberry. Yeah, I'm into that. That's really good. It'd be better out of glass, though. This definitely would it would benefit to breathe a little bit. But I can uh, confirm it is better out of a glass. Yeah, you know it's it's good though. I like I like gozes though. I like sours. I never it's thought like go, it's when, goes, isn't it? Is it goes? Sorry, goes. Yeah, it's <laughs> dippas or gozes. Gozes. <laughs> You're so fancy. Um, yeah, so I love the uh, the goze. I remember when sours first started hitting the market. You know, years back or whatever. And I remember having one for the first time, thinking that it was awful. I was like, why would you want to drink this? Like, And maybe my palate just wasn't ready for it. I don't know. But now I fucking love them. Well, I feel like when there's a good sour menu. I feel like when sours first started getting uh, popular, they weren't paired with like uh, with other fruit flavors. It was just like a, like a sour ale. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And there was no like fruit pairing in which I'm okay with that now, but I'm I'm still not a big fan of those. There was that uh, what farmhand or who? Oh, was that Vivant Brewery Vivant? They had a sour that tasted like like just throw up. And they also did you go to the brewery with me? Vivant had Vivant had the only beer that I've never I I wasn't able to finish out of the can. And I'm that was the farmhand. That was, was the, the farmhand. Farm yeah, yeah. that's you didn't like it because awful. you thought it was just a gross taste. Yeah, was, I, which I, is, which I I agreed with you. The the can taste was weird compared to tap taste. Uh, um, you said yeah, you said it it tastes way different out of the tap, didn't you? Yeah, because it's one of my favorite breweries. Uh-huh. And if you actually go there in Grand Rapids, everything tastes better. Yeah, hands down, everything. But um, anyway, James. Yeah. That's uh, what we're drinking. That's what we're talking about. Let's get into the bleed feed. The bleed feed. All right, James, uh, we are back and uh, we are going to do something different this week. Are you ready for this? Yes. We're gonna start with a death. That, that that that's all it is. Oh, that's new. <laughs> okay. It's, okay. There's nothing. There's nothing new. I'm excited. Um, Let's do it. <laughs> okay. Rest in peace this week to Norman J. Warren. It's a fun name, Warren J. Warren. Norman. Norman J. J. Warren. Uh, 78 years old. He passed away. He was the director of uh, British cult classics such as Inseminoid, which we did on the show. Oh yeah. Uh, Bloody New Year. Prey. Uh, and Satan's Slave, just to name a few. Nice. Um, he was considered by a lot of people uh, one of Britain's most important independent filmmakers uh, at the forefront of British horror in the 70s. So in the States, not as big of a name, but like over overseas, though, he was kind of a big deal. Uh, everyone knew who he was. He had a huge impact on just the whole entire genre, especially back in the 70s. Right. Um, and he passed away this week. There was no cause of death listed that I saw, but um, yeah, rest in peace to Norman J. Warren. Rest in peace. You uh, you will be missed. Yes. And I, I loved your inseminoid. It was, it, was, it was a good one. <laughs> and he also liked the movie. I did. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let's hear. Good news for fans. Hi, James. I think this is you. Good news for fans of 2011's Attack the Block. Hey. 
I did like you. That movie. I I still have not seen this movie. Yeah, I know that stupid. you you keep telling me about it. But uh, in an interview recently with Entertainment Weekly, director Joe Corish uh, let it slip that he and John Boyega have been having regular meetings talking about story ideas for a sequel film. Ooh, Boyega's gonna so, come back. Yep. Even after so that's, he's a big shot, Star Wars big shot. Hey man. Dang. Hey man. You can take the Boyega out of the film industry but you can't take the boy out of boyega you, you could have said block you can take the boyega out of the block but you can't take the yeah yeah that was see that would have been better where were you yeah. i needed the assist there you, i was right i was right here listening to you <laughs> listen to you murder that that saying it's like it's like watching somebody drown like you could have just swam all you gotta do is throw one arm over the other but it was more fun to watch you drown <laughs> yeah fuck oh, anyway um uh, Joe Corish though did say in the interview that they are actively working on, uh, or he said he goes we are act we we are definitely working on it. So it's not probably going to be for a while, being that they're just talking about story at this sure, point. Yeah. But it's exciting for anybody who is fans of the movie though to yeah. uh, potentially at least expect more in the future. You got to so watch cool. that movie, dude. One of the know, one of the coolest uh, creature Aliens. designs ever. Yeah. yeah, I've seen the. I, I know they look like and they look amazing. Uh, I had not seen them in action. You got to see them in to. action. It's even better. Um, so we talked about Rob Zombie a little bit earlier here, and uh, I got a little bit of Rob Zombie news. Uh, it sounds like if rumors are to be believed, and bear in mind these are just rumors, um, we know a little bit more about his next film project. Uh, Bloody Disgusting is reporting, and they themselves say they could neither confirm nor deny uh, these rumors that they heard, but they're just, so they're reporting it with a grain of salt, basically. Okay. But they are uh, they're saying that Zombies' next feature will be an adaptation of the Monsters for Universal. Uh, if you know anything about Rob Zombie, you know how much he loves the Monsters. Hell, his first single as a solo artist was Dragula. Yeah. Which is all about the Monsters' car. Like, yeah. And if you've ever heard him talk about horror or anything like that, it's it's. He loves the monsters. It's like his bread and butter. Yeah. So I think that he's a great choice to, to do that. Um, however, some of the casting leaves a little bit to be desired. Oh, there are. Are these confirmed? And I hope. Well, these are all rumors. Okay. The big rumor is that uh, shooting is supposed to begin in May of this year in Budapest. Okay. Um, and the casting rumors are as followed. And again, take this with a grain of salt, but casting rumors are that Sherry Moon and Jeff Daniel Phillips will be playing Lily and Her- Herman Munster. Okay. I can see Jeff Daniels being a good Herman. I just, Sherry Moon is so hit and miss for me. I don't, I really hope that if she does the role, she's not playing a typical Rob Zombie version of the kind of character she's normally you know, casting is Lily the uh, the, the co- mom, huh? the mom basically, the mom. The monsters, the mom and dad are Lily and Herman Munster. Oh, Herman is the Frankenstein. The uh-huh. mom is like the goth-looking, yeah, witchy chick. Yeah, I don't know if I. So like I said, I, I, I think that. that she could do, do it have, fine. Do it all depends to... on how he writes it and how he directs do you have her. Have to put your wife in every single movie. Yeah, he does. <laughs> uh, and then also, um, <laughs> uh, the cast is also including Richard Brake, uh, Dan Roebuck, uh, Jorge uh, Garcia, and Cassandra Peterson, otherwise known as Elvira, Cass- in other roles. And her name was Cassandra. Uh, 
Did I say, did I say Jorge? I meant Jorge. Jorge yeah. Garcia. I was, <laughs> I was I'm looking at his name. Like, how do I say his name? That's George. Georgie. Georgie. Um, anyway, though, uh, so like I said, this is all very, very grain of salt rumors. Yeah. Um, that being said, I'm sort of excited for it. I'm going to, I want to see what he does with it first before I pass any kind of judgment, but. Uh, but yeah, no, that's cool. Yeah, I would want it to keep. I don't know, like, um, <clears throat> the monsters is so, you know, like family oriented and 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 silly and uh, not necessarily not necessarily like slapstick, but in that realm, you know, like and and I don't know, zombie has a very particular style. That he, he doesn't does. really that like if he if he had done something that was like outside of his his uh his typical style that I could compare it to and and be like, oh yeah, see he's capable of doing something other than what he normally does, then I wouldn't worry about it so much. But aside yeah, it's, aside it's from weird. that animated movie, which still had like Oh, that's one hundred percent has Rob Zombie. Yeah, I was gonna say as, aside from it being anima- animated, it was still like Rob Zombie trash. You know, yeah. <laughs> I say that. It, I say that in a loving way. But well, Rob Zombie's was, movies was, are like they've got like this just sort of white trashy, you know, kind of film on them. Well, he was trying to do that Philadelphia Flyers movie for a long time, <laughs> which would have been a complete departure from his normal yeah filmmaking and yeah. the studios. Basically, just, just gave him the runaround forever, and it never ended up happening. Right. So, I, I think he's got it in him. Uh, like I said, I'm I'm excited to to see where he goes with it. Yeah. You know, at the very least. Sorry, yeah. I'm hitting my mic here. Um, okay, moving on to other things that are weird with the people involved. Uh, Elizabeth Banks uh, is dipping her feet into the giant animal on the loose sub genre uh, that we all love so very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, with uh, uh, the backing of Universal Pictures. Okay. Uh, I'm building this up for a reason. Uh, the film is centered around the true events uh, in 1985, where a bear was found dead from a drug overdose after it ingested a massive amount of cocaine dropped by a drug smuggler. What? Name of this movie that is coming out? Yeah. Cocaine Bear! <laughs> Elizabeth Banks oh. is directing Cocaine Bear. Cocaine Bear. Which has to be about the the what that bear did during that time period of when it ate the cocaine to when it died. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only thing that makes sense. You know, I so do you know anything about the original story? Not at all. You don't? I feel like I've heard of it before, but I don't know. Like, yeah, that's kind of fascinating. What does a yeah. bear? What does a bear do when it's coked out of its mind? <laughs> <laughs> We're about to find out. Oh, um, Phil Lord and Chris Miller, who did the Lego Movie and Spider Man Into the Spider Verse, uh-huh. uh, they are on board as producers, and so so they they've got a pretty good uh, comedic you know side to them. Yeah. So I'm hoping that maybe this has some comedic elements to it. I mean, you it know, has it's just to, gonna be right? like it's a bear on I mean, coke. <laughs> I hope they release this as Grizzly Three, Cocaine Bear. <laughs> cocaine Bear. That's the only way that I will accept this. <laughs> um, okay, moving on here. Uh, forget Discovery Channel and forget Shark Week on Sci-Fi. Uh, this coming Thursday, Shark Exploitation finds a new home, James. A new home. Yeah, where? 
with a movie called Deep Blue Nightmare, starring Michael Madsen. That home? The Lifetime Channel. (laughs) What? Why? (laughs) Lifetime is now now a home to shark exploitation movies. I don't understand it, but I love it, and I don't care. They're getting into Um, the horrible... Mostly because we're going to be getting even more shark exploitation movies now with washed up 80s stars that we haven't seen on TV in forever. <laughs> like I can't wait for the uh the Dawson uh Dawson's Creek entire cast starring like bear exploitation movie. I can't wait for it. It's going to be amazing. Uh, this, but uh yeah, this just it's terrible um, on every level. Yeah, it's a thing. Uh having kayaked offshore for a deserted island photo shoot, Sarah and her friend Megan become the target of an aggressive great white shark. Now the woman women must fend off the deadly predator until James Hey, it's you. Hey. Uh Sarah's take charge father can guide emergency services to their rescue. I just don't feel like so this is <laughs> they're on an island? I guess. <laughs> <laughs> like just sit tight, you know. <laughs> like, you don't have to. You don't have to fend off a shark. Just sit tight until. Help Maybe they're comes. on their way back. Maybe they're on their way back, so they're on like their paddle boards, and the sharks are surrounding oh, them. You know. Okay. So, so basically, it's just the lifetime shark exploitation version of uh, the shallows. Man, you want to talk about a, a nightmare scenario? I, I was. I'm sure you follow uh, Nature Is Metal on Instagram, right? Oh, of course. Did you see that one where it's uh, like a shot, a person took a shot and they're on their stand-up paddleboard and underneath them there's just like, it, there's like really creepy music playing and then underneath them there's just like 10 massive like 20 foot long uh, sea nettles right underneath the surface oh, of the water. God. And it's not, it's not like nice clear water either, it's like dark water. So it's, Like brackish? Oh God, it's yeah. so creepy. When we take oh, a break, you that. gotta look the the video up. It's like just nightmare inducing, man. It's so creepy. Oh, I see those. I see those shots every now and then of someone. They'll be looking down the water and they'll be on their paddleboard, and all of a sudden, like a gigantic fucking like bull shark will go <laughs> yeah. like right underneath them. It's like fuck that. My Hell brother yeah. used to tell me when he used to surf out in California, like paddleboard and surf. Uh, when he had his paddleboard, they would literally just like they'd be out there paddleboarding, and sharks would come up to him, and they would literally just bat him away with their paddles. Really. <laughs> <laughs> like apparently my brother got all of the testosterone and and straight up balls in my family because i could never do that <laughs> which brother is this uh nathan <laughs> is he wait nathan's the no sean's sean's the one who's bald right yeah <laughs> that's <laughs> how you know my brothers <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was because i was gonna say it's, it's all that extra testosterone made him go bald that's why oh, I'm going maybe. bald because you know I'm, oh, yeah, I'm yeah. all that is man. I'm just funny, loaded with testosterone. Funny enough, whenever when I was talking to Sean about you the other day, he goes, "Oh, is that your bald friend?" <laughs> I was like, "Yes, yes, it is." <laughs> what an asshole! I know, right? Uh, okay, James. Uh, moving on here. What? Wait, hold can on. I what? I'm not your bald friend. <laughs> not yet. Bri- You're my balding friend. Bri- you. We have three other friends who are completely bicked to the skin. <laughs> three yeah justin uh, brian who's the third justin brian and adam my brother-in-law oh i keep forgetting that adam is uh adam's bald yeah he's clean shaven baby everywhere everywhere Everywhere. (laughs) i've confirmed gross james um it's a family affair (laughs) i mean in fairness 
Never mind. I'm not going to say this. <laughs> uh, moving on. What's new on Blue, James? <laughs> All right. So uh, back in 1995, Japanese cult filmmaker Yoshihiro Nishimura directed a movie called Anatomia Extinction or Ani- Anatomia Extinction, uh, which is being brought to Blu-ray in North America for the first time ever by label Error Four 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 Four. I've never it's heard great, of this company. It's a great before. name. It's like it's error name. error underscore four 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 four. Um, it's a very confusing name to have yeah. for a releasing company. Um, it's the it's the company that's been labeled as the new home for extreme Asian cinema. Oh, so that's I don't a, care about it. Okay, you know, I primarily get it. Asian cinema. Oh, 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 I don't get that shit. <laughs> um, pre-orders for Anatomy Extinction are opening up on Error Four 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 Four's website on March 25th, and this limited edition release will be limited to 1,000 copies. So if it's something that interests you, you might want to, you know, jump on it. Um, Next up, the first film to shoot in Los Angeles during the pandemic to be, uh, what was it? It was like produced, shot, and released all during the pandemic. It was the first movie. Uh, It's called Songbird. Oh, Songbird, yeah. Directed by Adam Mason and produced by Michael Bay. We did this on uh, Trailer Trash. Yeah, we did. Yep. Um, That'll be hitting digital HD, DVD, and Blu-ray on March 16th after having already been released straight to premium premium VOD late last year. Um, Not only was it filmed and released during the pandemic, but the uh, film itself is about a global pandemic, (laughs) which is called COVID-23. Yeah, you know, like, a, this is what could happen if we all are deep stupid departure and, from what yeah. we're going through right now. So, I don't know. I'm I am pretty burnt out on our own personal pandemic that we're having right now. I might I might not watch this movie for a while. Is what I'm saying. Like, I I would watch it. I I don't know. I'm just I'm burnt out on the real pandemic that we're going through. I don't know if I want to watch a movie about because this movie basically revolves around people who are stuck in lockdown for four years. It's like, I've already been stuck in lockdown for a year. I don't know if I want to watch a movie that's about people stuck in lockdown for four years. But I just consider it an educational video. That's that's all. <laughs> <laughs> like where we're going to end up. Exactly. <laughs> like just more virus, more dystopian landscapes, more yeah, pretty much more like creepy authoritarian government and shit like, like that. I'm gonna know. I'm going to know how to filter water out of used gasoline. Are you? Whoa. No, because I don't think you can do that. <laughs> but by all Watch means, me. by all Watch means, me. by all, all means, let's do a Zoom while you drink a gallon of it <laughs> to prove it to me. Um, yeah. uh, RLJE Films has set an April 13th Blu-ray release date for Leap of Faith, William Friedkin on The Exorcist, a documentary that explores the creative and filmmaking process of... <laughs> Whoa, sorry. Gesundheit. Uh, that explores the creative and filmmaking process of William Friedkin's classic horror film and the mis- mysteries of faith and fate that have shaped his life and filmography. Um, MVD Entertainment announced this week that the 80s horror films Mortuary and The House on Sorority Row will be joining the MVD Rewind collection this summer. Both, Both films. Movies. What's up? So both are great movies. Mm-hmm. Um, both films will hit shelves on Blu-ray on July 26th and will feature retro VHS-era packaging. So that's pretty cool. 
Yeah, M- MVD is pretty good. They're uh, they're another boutique label. They're they're not quite as good as like you know Arrow or uh, uh, Scream Factory, but they're 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 on the level of I'd say. I don't know, like Vestron, maybe like those new Vestron releases. Even yeah. though those come, those come pretty fucking loaded sometimes. Well, who else? So maybe what, maybe a little below that, but uh, that's that's where they're at. They're, what's they're a good the other company label. that Vinegar Syndrome? They do like a lot of that. Uh, don't they do a lot of the VHS style packaging and stuff like that? Too? Vinegar, Vinegar Syndrome, though, it does or do really they, or do crazy they... good versions of movies that should not have they don't have there's no reason for these movies to get treated as well as they do right um maybe synapse synapse would be a good label to compare uh mvd to yeah yeah right on like they, they release them they give them the new transfers but then you know this the extras are a little more shallow than than the other companies sure but but they're still good though um a couple more here uh scream factory will be bringing sean linden's hunter hunter to Blu-ray on June twenty-second. Have you heard of this movie at all? I've not. I've not seen it. I've uh, not. I've I've heard about it. I've heard that it's got a really crazy twist at the end, which kind of makes the whole movie worth a watch. So, mm-hmm. um, I've been wanting to kind of work it into the show sometime soon, just because I'm I gotta know it. what this freaking twist is that everybody's talking about. I like movies. I have avoided spoilers so far, so. Uh, and last, but certainly not least, Scream Factory has announced the upcoming release of two Egyptian-themed thrillers, which will hit shelves on June 15th. Uh, the Awakening from 1980, which finds Charlton Heston as an archaeologist driven to destroy the ancient evil he unleashes when his research causes the Awakening. And okay. Sphinx from 1980, uh, Beyond the Sealed Door, was the last undiscovered treasure in Egypt. And it's all hers. If she can get out alive. That one sounds more like a thriller, like an escape thriller sort of thing than, it's than a Egyptian horror movie. It's Egyptian-based, though. You said it was Egyptian-based? Yeah. I'm into it. Yeah. I like, I like Egypt. I like things that are based places. I'm into it. <laughs> I actually like basting things, too. So if I do. You find I do. A way, if you find a way to work that into it, I'm all in. I'm right. Like a, like a nice cooking video where you're basting a turkey? It's like yeah. your favorite kind of movie. Yeah. All right, let's see here. Last, <laughs> like, uh, in, like in Don't Breathe. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> All right, last bit of news here. Uh, Bruce Campbell is coming back to the small screen, baby. Yeah. It was announced this week that uh, Bruce Campbell is going to be st- starring in a new comedy pilot called Adopted from ABC and producer Jimmy Kimmel. Oh, which is uh, an interesting pairing. Mm-hmm. Um, now, granted, it's it's important to uh, mention this is just a pilot that's coming out, so this is not a guaranteed to market kind of thing, you know. But he has been cast in the pilot, uh, which is going to be shooting pretty soon here. Adopted is inspired by a true story. Uh, in it, when a Green Beret returns home uh, to Texas from military service, he and his family struggle with the challenges of adopting his new brother, a twelve-year-old Russian boy. Uh, as for Campbell, uh, his character is going to play the dad uh, by the name of John Voss. Uh, he's being described uh, as a goofy, optimistic, carefree, and conservative dad. John is a red-blooded, all-American business owner who hates negative thoughts, so he doesn't have them. He's an out of t- he's as out of touch as he is unaware, but it makes up for it with his jolly nature. That's just got Bruce Campbell written all over it, <laughs> and that's perfect casting. Uh, and I really, that, really hope that this that uh, gets picked up. It essentially sounds like Ash in Ash vs. Evil Dead. Kind of, yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> kind of. 
So. Um, but I'm into it though. Like, I think that'd be fun. It'd be fun to see him in that kind of a role too. Yeah. Like, I feel like we've seen him. I feel like we've seen Bruce Campbell in every role except for just straight sitcom comedy. Yeah. You know. So yeah. I'm I'm pumped to see him in that role, and I think that uh, at this stage in his career, it's perfect. So hopefully, this goes to, goes to uh, to season, and uh, yeah, it gets made. Yeah, that's cool. Sounds interesting. But, uh, anyway, James, that's the news for right. uh, this week. All right. March 13th. <clears throat> well, we're going today. to... What? March? I don't know. When is it? I said March 13th, but then I realized that was today and has no bearing on the actual episode. I'm glad you said that, actually, because <laughs> I, I actually had no idea what day it was. Holy shit, it's Friday the 13th. It is Friday the 13th. Fuck. No, no, no. <laughs> no, it's Saturday the 13th. Don't touch... Oh, yeah, it's you're It's Saturday right, okay. right now. You're right. You're right. Okay. Yeah, the next Friday the 13th isn't until August. Um... Okay, we're good. We're good. So maybe we should actually do a Friday the 13th episode in August. Finally start digging into those movies? Um, did we Have we not watched any of them? None. Yes, we have. Mm-mm. Come on. No, we haven't. Yes, we have. We've been saving them. We've been uh, saving no, the big we ones. Watched, we watched Jason X. It's right. We did do Jason. We did the in the space, like in space, in space. But we have not touched any of the nightmare movies. We've not touched any of the Friday the Thirteenth movies. Um, I don't believe we've done any of the Halloween movies. We've kind of we've been saving the big ones. I think because originally we thought we got to save some of the big ones for you know two years when we when we get into it. Four years later, we haven't touched them. them. (laughs) We've never done any of the classics for fuck's sake. Um, No. Well, but we because... have done fucking Maniac Cop and uh, like <laughs> <Come> on, <laughs> other shitty movies. No, we haven't done Maniac Cop. We did the first one. Oh, the first one. Yeah. I was going to say, we haven't done the whole uh, series yet. No, no, it's true. We have not done We've the whole done series. some Halloween, too. We did, I think we did, uh, didn't we do a compare and contrast between John Carpenter's and uh, did um, we? Rob Zombie's? I think we might have been right. Swore, something like that. I don't even. I don't remember things these days, James. Yeah, I don't either. It doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, anyway, we're gonna take a quick break, and then when we get back, we're uh, we're gonna th- we're gonna throw it back. Yeah, Let's throw it back to the year 2015. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> the uh, the recent past. So yeah, we'll be back. Throughout this, you'll see faces ripped apart with hooks, a man slashing himself into a bloody pulp, and graphic, macabre, torturous images that defy description. All right, James, are you ready to go back to the future, but stay in the present? Yeah, yeah, because because where we're going, you 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 still need wheels. That's Wasn't not, uh, that's not even that's not even the quote. Still need roads. Roads. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> How did I fuck that one up? Because you're dumb, dumb. I know. Anyway, though, uh, yeah. So we're going back to uh, 1979, James. That's when this movie took place. Uh, the movie is Super 8. Uh, it's technically from 2011. 
Not technically. It's 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 literally from twenty. Literally from twenty eleven. <laughs> <laughs> technically takes place in nineteen seventy nine. Yeah. Uh, this is directed by J.J. Abrams. You might know him from little film franchises like Star Trek or Star Wars. You know, just little itty bitty movies. Just like every once in a while, if if you have like a if you have a friend who's a nerd like us, you might hear his name once or twice a day. Yeah, a couple times. No um, fun fun fact, Super 8 is the only movie that J.J. Abrams has ever made that was an original story. Really? Every other movie he's ever made has been a part of another franchise or, you know, part of something else. So he's just piggybacking his way to fame. <laughs> What but a doing piece of it shit. well, <laughs> uh, yeah. This is this is the only original movie that he's ever done, really, which is crazy. Because wow. you think of you think of him as this big time director, right? He's a he's fucking J.J. Abrams. He's well, bigger he than a life. Big time director, he is. But I've... like, he's made his legacy though off the back of other franchises. I that mean, being that's... said, that's not to shortchange him for this movie because <clears throat> this movie's fucking incredible. And that's actually, I mean, although you know. You are talking about him being involved with a lot of different franchises, but a lot of directors, because this is the one that he wrote and directed. Correct. There's many directors who don't write their own movies. Oh, sure. You know? I'm just saying so that like, it's always it, like other people's property that they're directing. Sure, but it's not not in terms of like uh, franchise though. Right. You right. Know? I, I would I would even consider original as in an original screenplay by somebody else, but he partnered with them to bring that vision to life. Right? Sure, yeah. That would be considered original to me. Um, but yeah, no, this is the first one. Uh, he pr- This was produced by Steven Spielberg. Who? So this is an actual Amblin movie, uh, which is funny because I did not remember that it was an actual Amblin movie. I knew that it harkened back to all those early Amblin flicks, like, you know, E.T., Close Encounters, all that stuff, Goonies, you know. Uh, there's, a, there's a bit of all of those movies kind of smashed into this and uh, i just didn't for some reason remember that spielberg actually produced this movie being that um, this which is, just makes it even more special yeah i'm assuming that jj abrams had this uh this idea in his pocket for you know years or whatever he he had originally had the idea to make a movie called super eight that was about eight kids making movies on super eight cameras right that was the original idea. Right. And then he also had another idea, and Steven Spielberg loved that idea. Mm-hmm. Like, he's like, that, that sounds great. Sounds like something we could, you know, uh, develop or whatever. And then as time went on, uh, Abrams also had an idea for a monster movie. Uh-huh. And he called uh, Spielberg, you know, hey, Steve, what's up? Hey, Steve. I uh, got this idea. What if we take these two movies, we put them together, biggity bam, we got a movie, right? That's hey, exactly Steve's, how it went. Hey, Steve, it's JJ. I don't know why JJ is suddenly a, a thick New York accent guy, but you know, um, <laughs> it's JJ Abrams. JJ Abrams, what's up? Um, but yeah, that's how pretty much it came to be. He took the two ideas that he had, smashed them together, and we got Super Eight. Um, which and like, the world is better for it. Which in my like opinion. how how stoked must he have been to partner up with? Because this movie is obviously like a, a it's a love letter to it's a love letter it's. It's his love letter to Amblin movies, mm-hmm. and it's also an Amblin movie. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? How how often does that ever happen? Like it's got so it, it like yeah, I know you said that you didn't actually realize the first time that you watched this it was an actual Amblin movie, but if you nowadays if you watched it, 
and and somebody just put it on for you, I think that you would get that sense right away. Because there's oh, just yeah. like there's a feeling to Amblin movies that really isn't mm-hmm. really isn't captured uh, by anyone else. No, aside from aside from maybe like I would say the Duffer Brothers did a pretty good job of like of making Stranger Things feel Amblin esque. Yeah, and right? imagine how good that new Stephen King series is going to be. Yeah. When they're all working together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, just imagine. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it is weird. It is weird that Abrams would manage to capture that same exact feeling and doing it in a newer type of filmmaking style. Like, yeah. the style of Super 8, even though it feels exactly like those old Amblin movies, visually, it's <laughs> it's a completely different beast. Yeah. And for him to be able to combine those two things together, I think, just speaks to Abrams's just master master of his craft you know like like it speaks to how how well he can do it um and yeah so you had never seen super eight before uh i had seen it multiple times um what did what did you think of of the movie like how did how did you like it tell me about it um well first of all i'll just lay i'll just i'm just gonna lay all the cards out on the table here uh i loved it Okay, okay, real quick, real quick. Sorry, yeah. I don't mean to cut you off. Okay. Just in case anybody's not <laughs> well, seen it, well, quick you do. synopsis. You do, because quick. that's what you do on this show. <laughs> I do. Uh, during the summer of 1979, a group of friends witness a train crash and investigate subsequent unexplained events in their small town. Okay, <clears throat> go. Yeah, I, I loved it. Um, okay, real quick, before you get into it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, first of all, I love... I love uh, I love movies like this that have uh, kid-centric um, ensembles. Yep. Just because you know they have that they have that kind of feeling of nostalgia to them, like you know any movie like Amblin. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, any any movie like um, and this this movie in particular really reminded me of of um, with how the kids interacted with one another, their dialogue, and how like fast the like how fast and quippy the dialogue was between all of them it reminded me a lot of goonies yeah 100%. um big time um i would even say it a little bit too the way that it was written and the way the kids in the first part of it yeah act it's very very similar yeah yeah really yeah. i'm really any i guess most um there's when you have good child, like good kid actors, you know, mm-hmm. they just have a way of like playing off of each other that that you don't really. It's it's a chemistry that you don't really get with adults. Like oh, you yeah, get a real because they're not kids. Yeah, you get a real sense of like a like more of a sense of camaraderie. Um, like they're actually all really best friends. Um, and that was that was the case in this movie. Um. I feel like too. Also, when you have um, adult actors playing like very similar roles, like for for example, even I'll use it for example. Right. right, you have the two different chapters in it. Right, one's the adults, one's the kids. Yeah. Even though it's the same characters played by different groups of of actors, the kids ones in both versions of it in the 1990s version of the miniseries and then also the new movies, the kids versions of the movies are always better because they seem more authentic. Yeah. Because as actors grow up, they're too busy acting. Mm-hmm. Whereas a lot of the kid, the kid focused movies, they're having fun, right? And and you can tell, even though the kids are are also 
great thespians. You know, they're great actors. There's more fun in them in their performances, right? Yeah. They're being kids. Like right. they're they're just having fun with it. Whereas the adult versions of them or adult actors in these types of ensembles, they're almost too serious yeah. at times. And they forget about like the joys of the story, the joys of acting. Like they forget about that. Or when they're um, or when they're trying to uh recapture that feel like especially i'm gonna go back to it like you just did in it chapter two there's the scene where they're you know having dinner at the chinese restaurant Mm -hmm. there's a couple minutes where it kind of takes you um like it takes you a second to adjust to how they're all playing off of each other because it feels a little forced like it feels like they're trying to get that spirit of being kids back but it's it just feels like weird not a place sort of but back to Super Eight. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I uh, it movies like this just remind me so much of my childhood. Uh, not only because of you know loving movies like this when I was a kid, but also because of like that's one of the things that me and my friends used to do. We used to go out uh, with a and you know, granted it wasn't a Super Eight cam with us, it was a a mini SD, but we. Uh, when I never had one of the over-the-shoulder big VHS cameras. My parents had one of those, <laughs> but we didn't use that for our movies. We we were a little more high tech than that. Um, no, my <laughs> my buddy Matt had a you know like a mini SD camcorder, so we would go out and we'd film movies. We we made a a Blair Witch parody one time. Um, like we we went out and would like recreate Jackass skits and stuff like that. So seeing a movie like this where there's kids. Uh, going out and making movies for themselves, I thought was really cool. And then to take it the extra step where they're all so serious about it, <laughs> I really liked like the kid, the kid, the director kid, like how passionate he was about it. I, oh, yeah. I really liked. Um, and it's kind of how see, it is on a real film set too. That's, well, whenever that's you see a, yeah, whenever you see a, a character like that, a kid character in a movie like that, it it you get the sense that it was definitely modeled off off of. Like J.J. Abrams probably wrote that kid's part modeled off of himself when he was younger. Sure, he probably knew sure. that he was he was so into film at a young age that uh, he was sort of that super intense kid. Where any normal kid filming their friends would just be like, "Oh yeah, let's try this or let's do this." But these people who grow up to actually be directors, they probably when they were younger they were probably like you know up in the up in the shot doing the framing with their hands and like really getting serious about directing and stuff like that well one of the things that he even mentions too he shows uh <laughs> so the guy the characters that we're talking about here uh uh charles uh, is the main director guy he's the uh charles is the, the the director he's got the equipment or whatever he's making his movie yeah. and then all of his friends are basically helping him do it um Main director guy, but not the main character. The main not char- the main character. Main he's, character he's just, he's, would be Joe. The main character is uh, no Martin. Martin is the main character. Martin. No Joe. I'm sorry. No, Joe. I I sorry. No, you're right. Joe. <laughs> Martin's the one. My that, <laughs> Martin's the one who pukes all the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, Joe is the main character, uh, and he plays opposite Elle Fanning, who plays Alice. She's like the main the main girl in it. The uh, the 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 way less um, obnoxious of the of the Fanning sisters. Uh, Dakota Fanning was also in this movie. Was she? 
she uh, was an extra in uh, one of the scenes with a bunch of stuff. I don't know. She I, was? I remember reading about it. Yeah. She's, she's, you can see her in like the very back or something like that. She's older than Al, though, right? She is, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yep. And she was actually, I think, more famous before, much before Al. She was more. Oh, yeah. She was more famous. I just, yep. I, she's so annoying. <laughs> Yeah, so so just to round out your round out your group of kids here, uh, like I said, you have Charles, who is the main director guy. Uh, Joe is like your main character. Alice plays the main girl, and then you have Carrie. Carrie is the kid that is just obsessed with blowing stuff up. He's the ex- <laughs> he was my spirit animal throughout this entire movie. <laughs> um, you have Martin, who is like the lead actor guy. He's the one that's supposed to be playing like the lead detective in the movie. Yeah, that they're, that they're trying to make. Yeah, uh, and then you have Preston. Who who was Preston? Like he was part of the group, but I don't feel like he had a really big role. Preston in the movie, yeah, he was the sixth member of the group. But I just kind of feel like oh, he was the kid who yeah, he kept kind of getting left behind. Yeah, um, he was not. I kind of felt bad for him. Like halfway through the movie, he was gone. Gone. Yeah. Like after they did the, the... maybe he died in the train crash and they just <laughs> never paid attention to. Well, him. no, because he was in the. Uh... In the scene where they were doing the the mass, um, uh, uh, what the hell do you call that? Where all the people were leaving town. Oh, the max mass exodus. Not exodus. Well, what do they call it when they when evacuation. they evacuation? Evacuation. Yeah. Um, man, I'm stupid. Uh, I went I went real biblical there, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> the, the mass. No, I mean the you know mass exodus is a. Especially in the past couple of years, it's a term you've heard a lot because there's been like mass exodus from New York because of COVID and shit like that. That's true. Um, yeah, he shows up. He's he's just randomly at the like that the the hangar where they're keeping all the people, and Joe's dad walks up and asks him something. Oh, at that's one right. Point he's the one. That, yeah. So he stays behind. He's the one who he gives he the footage to, to Joe's the, uh, dad, and yeah. he says, "You should probably yep. take a look at this before you go look." He's for actually them. got a pretty important role then, though. Yeah. They trust him with that footage, right? To be like, if anything happens to us, make sure this gets out, right? So he had a pretty important role, actually. Pretty important um, role, but they just didn't want him on camera that much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, two, the other two characters that would run up the cast here is uh, uh, Deputy Jackson, who is Joe's father. Uh, who basically takes over as sheriff for this small town they live in yep. as things start to go haywire. And then you have Louie, who is Alice's father. And Louie and Deputy, Deputy Jackson have a history because, uh, or is it Lewis? Is it Lewis or Louie? I think it's Lewis. Okay, so Lewis. Um, he is responsible for the death of Deputy Jackson's wife, Joe's mother. Uh, so I, I, not I responsible, the- not responsible, but... He called into work. She had to cover his shift at a factory, and there was an accident. I thought so. The, I thought the way that they covered this in the beginning of the movie to like speed through a storyline was pretty clever. Like the very opening shot of the movie was, um, <clears throat> you know, the uh, like at certain factories and stuff, they'll have a sign that says, "It's been so many days since our yeah. last accident," and you just see a guy like on a cherry picker going up and removing the 736 and putting a, a one up. Yep. And then the next scene, they cut to Joe sitting on a swing, wearing a suit, obviously, like, um, grieving, and there's a, a mm-hmm. funeral going on for his mom. That was a pretty good way of, like... Because that's a whole, that's a that's a big side story, right? The death of then his also mom. having also having <clears throat> Lewis show up and then immediately getting right. kicked out of the house and arrested by Jackson, right? Like, that's 
it tells you everything that you need to know outside of what actually happened. Exactly. And then and they yeah, were able right. to, and clever. then they were able to like fill the fill the blank spaces in throughout the movie with the interactions between Joe and Alice. Yeah. And then later yeah, on was, between Jackson and Lewis. So it was a yeah, it was it a pretty clever super, way of doing it. It is super clever. Um so all these kids they basically sneak out at night and they're filming part of this movie uh at the train station. And this train is coming by. They're like, "Oh, it's production value, right?" So it's uh, let's film in front of it. Which you'd never be able to record sound in front of a uh, moving train. No. Just, so he's like, speak louder. That would never work. <laughs> Not in a million years. Um, so as the train's coming through, though, there is a white pickup truck that drives onto the tracks. And it basically makes the train derail and crash. And I, I say all that just to bring up this point. This is one of the most epic insane non-believable train crashes <laughs> on the face of the earth and i remember seeing this in theater and watching it like on the big screen and it was just epic it's uh -huh. the only word that i can use to describe it like it was insane like it's totally unrealistic and it doesn't even matter oh yeah it's because just a, pure a tiny, chaos because a tiny little pickup truck going head to head with a, a train is just gonna get flattened basically yeah it's just um, it's just nuts like it's, but yeah it just it literally derails like a mile a mile long train and all the cars are being thrown all over the place and it's it's really a cool and fun scene it's just so over the top that it's hard to not have a lot of fun with it you know it's you're grinning from ear to ear when watching it like you realize that that it is over the top but it's done so well that you don't even care yeah you know um and yeah, I don't know. It was great. Like, and then that's where the movie like transitions for me into being like a fun Amblin movie, which the whole thing is. Don't get me wrong, but then it sort of takes on this new life as almost like a feature length Amblin X Amblin esque X Files episode. X Files, <laughs> X Files, and heavy on the like uh, between the two movies that we watched tonight. If you if you combine the two. If you combined all of all of the elements of these two movies that we watched for tonight, you basically have Stranger Things. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it is basically the movie version of Stranger Things. Yeah, it is. Um, and yeah, it's it's I. It's so good. Like I, <laughs> I, 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 all I want to keep saying is like, it's good, it's good, it's good. But we need to actually describe it. It's um. The choices that they make in the movie, like, like for example, uh, there is an alien in the movie, right? Mm -hmm. You barely see the alien throughout the entire movie. It's not until the very end that it actually has any screen time. And I think I was reading that the alien only has three solid minutes of actual on-screen time the entire movie. Really? That's it. That's really? it. Wow. Um, it, otherwise, it's always in shadow, or it's only like a glimpse of it, or whatever. Yeah. Um. And I, and I love that about it because it kind of kept the whimsy of it. Like you didn't get sick of looking at it. You couldn't pick out its faults, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it, it kept the focus where it needed to be. And that's on the kids, yeah, not on the alien. And that's, that's and it was very, very smart. And to that point, that's what's cool about um, their use of the alien and how they like, you know, keep it, how they keep it obscured and stuff. This movie is 10, year, 10 years old, right? Yep. This movie is 10 uh, years 2011. old. 2011, yep. Um, I've always known about it. I've always seen, I've even like seen video reviews and stuff about it. And I never knew what the alien looked like. Yeah, no, I actually, um, and honestly, I'd seen this movie a bunch of times and I, and I forget every <laughs> single time cause it's 
been years. I actually thought it was going to be a lot bigger. Uh, because back when the previews and stuff came out, when I saw the train crash in the previews, I had this vision of a, a massive alien like picking the train up and throwing it all over the place. So I never knew it was a train derailment that that caused all of that all of that damage in the uh, in the trailer that I was seeing. So I always pictured this like huge tentacled monster, like you know, grabbing gra- being able to grab huge trains and knock over buildings and stuff like that. And it it's really it couldn't be farther from what you actually have. Well, a lot um, of people thought when this movie came out, a lot of people thought this was a prequel to Cloverfield. Because J.J. Abrams produced Cloverfield. And it totally and could be. It would it, fit it, right oh, in. It, it, all, all he would have to say is that it is, and yeah. you could connect it. Yeah. He's been adamant throughout the years that it has nothing to do with it. Um, but it's hard to not draw those those parallels, especially being that uh, Matt Reeves, who directed Cloverfield, was childhood friends with J.J. Abrams. Mm-hmm. They actually both have a weird history with Steven Spielberg, where before they ever met him later on, they were hired when they were really young as teenagers uh, to restore some of Steven Spielberg's personal Super 8 movies. Really? Yeah, like his home movies and stuff. So there's like a weird connection between those three, stretching all the way back to when J.J. and uh, Matt Reeves were both teenagers. That's cool. Which is which is super interesting. And how we were talking about before, how crazy is it that he's making this Amblin-esque movie through Amblin, right? Yeah. Like, it's it's like the the seeds were just sown uh-huh. throughout his entire life growing up. You know? Yeah. Um, I also thought though you you don't see the alien all that often, but when you do see the alien, am I the only one that thought, "Wow, this is this looks like the real life alien version of General Grievous." Grievous, yeah. He looked exactly it like does, him yeah. from Star Wars Three. Absolutely, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. His especially his face, like his it's, his yeah, face and that's the only part of, that, of me you really see. But his face has sort of that plated armor sort of look with the the mm-hmm. eyes on the outside. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. I, I thought I was the only one. I was like, <laughs> no, no, no. That's the first thing I thought as soon as you see that that close up, uh, especially when he gets kind of like friendly at the end, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, friendly in quotes. Well, yeah. <laughs> um. I, I also thought, too, that this movie was, and I, and I told you that we could have done this as a pairing, uh, and I'm totally fine that we didn't, but like, it, this is, to me, a modern version of E.T. And what I mean by that, and heavy spoilers here if you've not seen the movie, uh, you've been warned, <laughs> the alien that is causing all the havoc throughout the second half of the movie is not causing havoc because it's malicious, it's causing it because it's scared and it just wants to go home mm-hmm. you know it's the whole story of et go home like it really is well, he, and then he, he he sort of befriends this kid in a, in, a, in a sense in this movie that helps him get the final piece to rebuilding his ship to go back like that whole the whole end sequence of this movie was very for me very very similar yeah to the end sequence of vt where he finally goes back to his ship and right. the whole thing rises up and and i just thought that was really really cool and i i think that uh the two of them would make a really good double feature for somebody you know honestly i would say the same thing i, I agree with you but i would also say the same thing for the next movie we're talking about midnight special mm-hmm. and oh, e- yeah and, it definitely and would. et yeah like midnight special 
uh, Super Eight in many ways feels like an uh, like an updated version of ET. Midnight Special in different ways and some of the same ways also feels like a very updated version of ET. Yeah, which except is why these two sw- movies go together the, so well. Swap the weird little alien out for a weird little spoilers alien kid kind of th- sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I have a lot to talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Actually, yeah. So um, let's so let's uh, let's kind of start giving our final thoughts on Super yeah. Eight then, and uh, we can here's, get into here's that. a final thought for you. I thought we were going to spend when we started this episode. I thought uh, or started watching the movies for the week. I'm thinking to myself, we're going to have so much to talk about with Super 8. The other movie is going to be the one that kind of gets the, you know, one of, as, as is always the case, one of our movies sort of always is top heavy compared yeah. to the, the other one. Yeah. And I thought it was going to be Super 8. I think I have more to talk about on Midnight Special. I think so too. Honestly, um, which is weird. And it's not, it's not because I liked it more or liked, liked this less. I, I think it's just because Super 8 to me is such a, just a straightforward, fun ride. Yeah, but there's not too. There's much, not a whole lot to decode. Yeah, there's not too much to like to discuss Except for about one it. Thing. What? Except for one thing. What's that? I uh, am I the only one that thought that Carrie, you know, the explosives kid? Yeah. Was he not just playing a young version of Tom Petty? <laughs> because he looked exactly <laughs> fucking like him. That kid. He is, was uh, the twelve-year-old version <laughs> of fucking Tom Petty. That kid. What is his name? Uh, and Carrie? Lewis. And Lewis was the midlife crisis version of Iggy Pop. They they both looked identical. Oh, Lewis, <laughs> uh, uh, that was a that was a corny character for me. Lewis, I, think I liked it, Lewis. I, I liked him too, but like uh, I think it's because I actually like Ron Eldred, um, the actor. Mm-hmm. I like him, but there's something like. There's something like, if he's in the wrong role, he it just doesn't work for me. He's very specific. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. And I in this, it. and in this one, like with the like with the long hair and the mutton chops and stuff like that, I just I wasn't buying it that much. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't I don't know what well, it was it. about him that just felt off. Like I felt like you could have I felt like you could have gotten somebody who looked a little more natural in that sort of weird role. But yeah, absolutely looked like Iggy Pop. He did. <laughs> Just Iggy without... Pop with mutton chops. <laughs> and without the heroin uh heroin abs. Mm-hmm. Speaking of of heroin. Speaking of heroin uh, let's get, abs. Let's get let's get into the next movie because yeah. uh there's a segue for you. Uh Midnight Special from twenty sixteen, not fifteen, like we said earlier. Oh. Twenty sixteen. Uh, this is directed by Jeff Nichols. Uh, a father and son go on the run, persu- uh, pursued by the government Pursuited? and a cult. Pursued. Persuade. Persuade? Pursued. Pursued. Oh, my God. What is wrong <laughs> with me? Oh. Yep. It's one in the morning. You know what? Fuck off. Give me, give me this one. Uh, a father not. and son go on the run, pursued by the government and a cult, drawn to the child's special powers. Persuade. Persuade. <laughs> the persuade by the government. <laughs> um, so this movie is starring Michael Shannon, who is always fucking amazing. I love as Michael Roy. Shannon, dude. Uh, Roy is the father of Lucas. No. Nope. Uh, the father of Elton. Alton. <laughs> of so Elton, played that. by Jadeen. Um, okay, so which name is he going by here? Uh, Jaden Martell. It's Jaden Martell. Okay, so he's so that's the name he went by when he did it. 
Yeah, he went okay. by Jaden Lieber in this movie. Yeah. Uh, but this but, was this was one year before he did It Chapter One. Yeah. Which is which crazy. Char- which which character in It did he play? The main Bill Dembro. He was the main. He was Bill. Main yeah. Okay. Kid, which is crazy. He went through a, <laughs> a he, growth he went spurt. through a major growth spurt between yeah. this movie and that movie because he's like a little boy in this movie. Dare I say though, he's a more compelling actor in this movie than he was in it. Um, I loved him in this. Oh movie. yeah, he I was really great. Did. He, he was, was so great. good. He was great. He, in this he movie. commanded was... the screen. Uh, one of my notes. One of my notes is that in a movie where you have a bunch of of established adult actors, right? A bunch. Kirsten yeah. Dunst. Uh, who plays his mom, Sarah. Mm-hmm. You have Michael Shannon, who plays his dad, Roy, and you have Joel Edder- uh, Edgerton, Edgerton, who plays Lucas. Edgerton. Right? They're all established actors. Edgerton. Edgerton. And and um, Adam Driver. And Adam Driver, yeah, yeah. yeah. Jaden Martell, though, he commands the screen mm-hmm. every fucking time that he's on it, even in the same space as all of these other actors, makes them look like chumps, because he's he's so good at this role that he's playing like he just commands the, the 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 attention on the screen yeah and it's kind of amazing yeah um especially like there like uh there was a scene between him and um adam driver toward the end of the movie where it, it was like when um elton was in the white room you know yeah yep and that whole sequence was cool and a little so creep and a little creepy and mm-hmm. like Adam Driver really played it well too. Like uh, when he manipulates the camera to make it look like he's still sitting there, and then he's actually standing up, right? Adam Adam Driver's reaction is, "Oh, that's peculiar," <laughs> or and, something and like then, that. <laughs> and then when he goes in and he's like, he's approaching him, but he's kind of like turned sideways and just sort of inching toward him. But the kid actually looks like you said, the kid looks imposing because yeah. he's even though he's only four foot five inches tall or something like that he he looks imposing because of how uh how well he was just able to stay stone-faced in this role and 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 it's not like imposing in a bad way it's not imposing in like a weird villainous way it's imposing as in like a i'm important look at me kind of right, way right you know and, yeah. and and like i say it's just a it's just i'm sure that had a lot to do with with the direction of everybody, but sure. like it just, it floored me how good he was in this movie. Yeah. Um, one of the things I love about this flick is that it drops you into the center of the story right off the get go. Yeah. And they don't give you any answers. Right. And, and that works. It's such a strength to this movie because every single scene is just building the story. It never gets old. You're yeah. constantly learning more. You're constantly expanding what has happened learning who these characters are because you have no idea who they are in the beginning right. you just know there's people on the run and that's it right and uh it's 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 masterfully and, crafted and the, the first story. information you're given is actually false information what was the first part of it it, Which, uh, the, it opens up with it it opens up with the uh with uh a newswoman saying that this kid was kidnapped and that he's with this man who is uh who okay. who is uh armed and dangerous and uh yeah i had a question about all that what so the reason that the the news is the news is uh looking for them and all that stuff is because there's an amber alert out for them right Right. who called in the amber alert 
was it the cops? Because the cops were watching him and they knew they knew what he was, or at least they could use him for a weapon, which is what they wanted him for. I think it was. Did the, they put that out themselves, or did somebody else? I think it was the gov- I think it was the government because okay, they had been watching him uh, because there was the and he disappeared. There was that next scene where they had been watching him on the ranch, and the ranch is this place where uh, Elton, this kid, is is basically looked upon as like a um, a, a prophet prophet yeah a prophet like he he speaks in tongues and he has these fits and then he will give these people uh random random strings of numbers and coordinates and and all the all this weird information that it turns out is actually uh government information um that he's picking up from satellites and shit like that yeah but they view him as some sort of prophet and so they've been holding him on this this ranch which is this weird cult cult like kind of place like this Pretty really much, yeah. this really weird like puritanical sort of but it's like one of those weird cults though where what they believe in is actually true <laughs> <laughs> well to a, to a degree yeah um but so yeah so from the very beginning of the movie you don't really know what to believe because you're sort of you're sort of given false information in the beginning like it's just mm-hmm. it's you're sort of led to believe in the like in the first thirty seconds of the movie that this kid has been ki- kidnapped, but then you're basically but then, being given but then the within, information within fifteen seconds of meeting Roy and and uh, and um, Lucas. Once they start interacting with Elton, you realize that there's a there's um uh a good relationship there you know yeah, like it, like elton is not afraid of these dudes like i was gonna say before they basically give you the the same type of information that you'd get from your local news if this random thing just started happening like your first your exposure to this thing happening as a layman is what you're going to see on the news right. and that's kind of where they drop you in at the beginning of the right. story um yeah it's it's Alton is, uh, he's a very special kid. As you were saying, he can do all this crazy stuff. And he's given these coordinates where he has to be at a certain place at a certain time. And the whole story is Roy, his father, doing everything that he can to get his son to these coordinates by a certain time. And he enlists the help of Lucas, a childhood friend of his, who he hadn't seen in forever. Yeah. Um, and there's a whole story about how that comes. I'm not going to ruin it for people because I 1,000% want everyone to watch this movie because yeah. it's amazing. And um, there's three there's there's three kind of powers at play here. There's um, there's Roy, who it turns out is the biological father of Elton. Mm-hmm. Um, Roy and Lucas. That's so that's that's um, one sort of power at play. There's the government who they have their motive is they want to get this kid and they view him and, as a weapon and study him because they view him as a weapon and they want to know why he's able to intercept uh, government information the way he does and control things right. and change and then, things and yeah it's and weird. then the third power at play is the uh, the cult who they also want him to be at those coordinates. They want him to be at those coordinates on that day, but because they think that that's like the day of reckoning. Well, they, I, I they almost, basically I think almost, that uh, if they're with him at those coordinates on that day, that they will be saved by him. 
Um, yeah, I almost I almost looked at those people almost like the Halo's Comet people. Right. They, they're they, they're they're so convinced that this one thing is going to be their savior and right. this and that and you know it, and it's funny because Elton even Hale says Bob. you're talking Hail Bob Hail Bob yeah yeah. yeah. Some of these people, uh, or Alton rather, even always says, he goes, I'm not their savior. I'm not a weapon. I'm not any of that stuff. Right. I'm just, he doesn't know what he, he is. He doesn't know what he is. He has no idea what he is right. uh, until you get to the end of the movie. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But again, major, major, major spoilers coming up. Yeah. So I, I implore everyone to stop listening to us this one and is go on, watch it. This one's on, on Netflix. Netflix so. You know, Easily if you don't, accessible, if you don't have fantastic. Netflix, stop being a schmuck. You probably know somebody who has Netflix. Just yeah. go talk to them. Say, hey, man, I want to watch a movie tonight. And watch this movie and then come back and listen to this because it's it's, it's definitely, definitely worth the watch. It's yeah, really it good. Is. Okay. That being said, yeah. Um, you know, it's the when the way that the, the movie ends up with how, how you find out what he actually is. He has an episode and he realizes he gets a glimpse of something else. And it's this glimpse of like this secondary world that exists, like sort of in like the layers in between. Can I which just is, can I just jump in for a second? Correct, yeah. Oh yeah. Correct you a little bit. It's not. Oh, sorry. It's not like the episodes that he was having before, though, because throughout the first third of this movie, he's his health is deteriorating. Sure. Like and and they explain that earlier in the movie, like basically from the time he was born, he has only ever been awake at night. He's never seen mm-hmm. the sun because the sun hurts him. Yeah. And so he finally decides. He tells Roy, his dad, "I need to be out in the sun and I need to be awake." And Roy basically says, "You can't do that; it'll kill you." And he says, "You need to trust me." And so Roy carries him out in the middle of this field right at sunrise, and there's this huge like explosion and lights coming from his eyes and everything and then he's detected by he's detected by the government as basically a nuclear yeah reaction right like like that's how they see him on like satellite and stuff right that's that's the kind of energy that's how they track him down so that leads to what you were about to say yeah like he he discovers yeah he gets this glimpse of this other world that exists like between the fabric of our reality and something else it's literally like he says it's literally like built on top of our world yeah but it just which is which is it's kind of like a multi-universe or parallel it's super interesting because i you you hear things every now and then I, I've heard stories of people that that claim they communicated with the dead, for example, uh-huh. and they describe this other realm they go to as this place that that coexists with our world, but it's on a different plane that you can't even see. Right? And you hear you hear stories about that, and, and you think wonder. About, think about how people describe the beings that they see when they say, "Oh, I sure. I, I saw this other like otherworldly being, and they were made of light." Yeah. And it's like yeah. that's how the 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 other this you know, this the movie other like, it takes every supernatural are... takes every supernatural thing and kind of combines it together a right. little bit. <laughs> um, but it's so good though, and it's just a, it's it's not horror by any stretch of the imagination. Both these movies tonight are are sci-fi to the max. Yeah. This one's more drama sci-fi, but still very much sci-fi. Yeah, and it's just good. It's just like a fucking great ride to go on you know um i was mentioning to you when we first started that one of the movies that i really equated this to that i that made me feel in my heart you know like we're talking about throwbacks and this kind of stuff it made me feel like i was watching a sci-fi version of the wizard 
Uh, <laughs> the movie with uh, uh, Christian Slater and... Fred Savage. Fred Savage, yeah. The movie where they're trying to... It's a road trip movie, basically, where yeah. the kids are driving across... Hitchhiking across the country to get to the Nintendo arcade thing, right? And But, there, but the little brother is... I don't know if they ever actually say it, but is the little brother like autistic or something like that? Jimmy? Um, I feel like Jimmy's got some sort of something going on yeah, they where never, he's like... They uh, never really say... No, they don't, but, but I wonder it, if that was what they were supposed to be giving it off. It always seems like they're alluding to it in some way, yeah. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say that's what it was, because from everything that I remember, it's very similar to that, at least. Um, but but Midnight Special reminded me a lot of that, because A, it's a road trip movie. They're on the road almost the entire time, Yeah. stopping in certain places for the nights or whatever, but they're always constantly on the move. You have the government chasing them in midnight special and you have other people chasing them in the wizard. Right. They're trying to get to a certain place by a certain time to do this thing. You have this kid that's like a savant in, in, in whatever his thing, you know, it was just very, very similar. And that's what it reminded me of. Um, except for in and the to wizard, me, like, that's except for in yeah, the, the wizard. wizard. It's not, it's not, it's not the government. It's Putnam. It's Putnam. Is that his Put- name? That bastard Putnam. <laughs> He touched my breast. <laughs> She's that was, that was the, She doesn't even have any breasts. That was the chick from uh, Rilo Kiley, wasn't it's, it? Uh, Jenny Lewis. It's Jenny, yeah. 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 Jenny from Rilo Kiley. Yep. Um, yeah, so like, it's just a great movie, but this movie gave me vibes of that, even though it's a completely different movie. It had those 80s, late 80s kind sort of... Kind like of an, an adult version of The Wizard. Yeah, it's like, it's like sort of. It's but it's like you know, folks on the kids kind of thing or whatever. I don't know. I just I just loved it, and it's a perfect type throwback movie to what we're talking about for tonight. It just yeah. works. Like yeah. it's it's made with the kind of love that people got from those eighties movies. Well, it's, um, it's and seventies cool, too, for lack of you know. It's a cool movie too because them. it it manages to build all kinds of tension. Um, there's a good amount of action. Uh, and, 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 you know, like a few, um, nothing really scary or anything like that, but just moments where you're just like on the edge of your seat and they don't kill a single person in this movie. There's like a zero body count in this movie. And it, you know, there's a little, there's a little bit of violence, but it's, it's never, it never ends in anybody dying. It's like, we watch so many movies that rely on horrible violence to kind of drive the narrative mm-hmm. it's kind of cool to watch a movie that is this good uh that has this much tension and this much action that they don't rely on crazy violence to to really no they don't push the story along no they rely on the actual story itself right um and yeah it's it's perfect and the like said the actors were perfect in this uh i do have some notes here that i want to get into sure um, Michael, my first note that I made for this movie, Michael Shannon always looks like he's one overdose away from dying. <laughs> what? He does. No, he Michael doesn't. Shannon looks like he's constantly coming off of like coming down from a high. Like he's coming down from like a bender or something like that. <laughs> like I just, he always looks like he's like a junkie. I think he's And like just... one more, one more bad night and he's fucking done. <laughs> That's how he always looks to me. I just think he looks like a. I just think he looks like a like a dad, basically. That's how 
That's how that's chunky how, dad. Maybe that's how being a dad feels like sometimes. Like you're just, <laughs> you're just like if I spend five more minutes with these kids, I will die. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite stories. I like Michael Shannon so much as an actor, um, and also he seems like a really solid dude and i like the fact that he doesn't get caught up in all the hollywood bullshit doesn't seem like it um one of my favorite stories of him is and shit what movie was it for he was in a movie a few years ago that was nominated for an academy award i believe and he uh Instead of instead of what are you what are you watching over there? I gotta ask. Sorry, I put Close Encounters on. Okay, Sorry. well stop because I keep talking <laughs> to you and you're staring at your TV. Um, Sorry, the, the aliens are coming out of the ship right now. It's the best part of the movie. I, I don't care. Um, <laughs> one of my favorite stories though is he got he got invited to the Oscars obviously because mm-hmm. he was nominated for an sure. Oscar. Didn't uh, go. And he sat in a pub in Chicago watching the oscars on tv or something like that just by himself having a few beers people were coming up to him and like talking to him and stuff like that sure and then whatever movie he was in i believe won the academy award and somebody was just like oh hey man you just won an academy award he's like oh did i cool (laughs) like he just seems like he's super (laughs) down to earth and he just doesn't give a shit about any of that stuff you know so yeah he does seem like a really down-to-earth kind of dude yeah um, and probably be a really fun guy to talk to. Like he's probably got some stories that he just tells in his own Michael Shannony kind of way, you know. Yeah, which would be really awesome. <laughs> um, I um, think it's. I don't know if this is in your notes, but I think it's important to draw to dr- like draw the uh, draw the line across some pretty like funny coincidences about this movie because the kid is the kid is reading comic books throughout the entire movie, right? Yeah, and uh, there's. There's some like I don't I don't know much about was it Starfire he was reading or something like that. Starfire. He was reading Superman at one point. Well, he was reading Superman at one point, which is it, ironic because because Michael Shannon well, played pretty, Zod. It's, well, it's all, yeah, it's pretty on the nose because that he actually draws his power from the sun in this yep. movie, just like mm-hmm. Superman draws his power from the yellow sun, and then yeah, also that his dad in this movie. Uh, plays General Zod in sure. uh, Man of Steel. This movie is also kind of like it's kind of like if if uh, Brightburn didn't turn so violent, like if the kid didn't turn into a complete psycho and crossover and just start killing crossover, everybody. Baby. What if this? Oh, what if this is like the good kid? Like, what if they were separated at birth? And the Brightburn Ooh. kid went psycho and started murdering everybody, and this kid, you know, kind of found the good in himself, and then they have to clash. I'm into it. That'd be I'm a great movie. Midburn, midnight mid, burn, midburn, burning the midnight oil. Sort of burns. <laughs> sort of burns. <laughs> there was a scene. There's a scene where uh, after they get to Sarah's house, who is uh, Kirsten Dunst, mm-hmm. uh, Babe, by the way, classic Babe. Yeah, and. Kirsten Dunst is a babe. I don't care. A lot of people I have heard and poo-poo that idea. Poo, fuck off. She is a babe. Well, and the fact, too, that they say, I don't know if this is true, but they say in the, uh, the IMDb facts, she didn't wear a stitch of makeup in this movie. Yeah. And still it. looked pretty good. Yeah, she's yeah, she's a babe. Like, she's a babe. She's a natural babe. Whoa! Um, whoa, whoa! And, uh, I, there, and, when's the, and, and also, like, I was pleasantly surprised, too. When's the last time you saw Kirsten Dunst? Yeah, I mean, I kind of feel like she does a lot more indie stuff now. 
Does she? She does yeah. a lot of indie stuff um, and not too much mainstream stuff anymore, which, yeah. fuck, she doesn't have to. Yeah. She's got oh, Spider-Man yeah, she money, bro. Yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> but, so there's a scene where they get to her, her place, and uh, Alton's playing with some Legos, and he keeps taking the heads off of the Legos and basically building like a little antenna like a little, yeah on top of the shoulders of him and he yeah. makes a whole bunch of them and there's a certain scene where he's holding them up to the sky where it's like he's trying to figure out what's happening to himself i thought it was a really really awesome visual cue yeah, as to same. what's going on in his own brain yep it was super super cool yep yeah i like that a lot too and then it ended up kind of being detrimental because when those guys showed up at the house, the guy saw the pile of Lego men with the antenna yeah. heads, and he's like, "Oh, yeah. the kid was here." <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's just it's it's so good. There, there's a lot more that we could talk about, but there's one thing that I do want to get into, uh, and that is theories, James. Okay. What do you think? Do you think this movie had a deeper meaning? First off, I'll ask you that. Like, were you um, watching this movie, and were you getting something else out of it? Um, because I there, did. There was I, a couple other, a couple different things ran through my mind. There was obviously like any time I watch something like this that involves uh, somebody being, you know, like lifted in exultation as like a like a prophet or something like that. There's always the obvious conclusion that you can draw is that it's it, it it's got some parallel to um you know some some biblical story or something like that. Sure. Um, but I would, I would have to look into it more to see if there was like any, you know, like anything really, really obvious, like any sort of like parable in the, the Bible or if, like, I didn't really get like a, I didn't really get like a, you know, like he was Jesus Christ kind of thing or anything like that. No, neither, but and then, neither did I. But then there was other like, uh, well, full disclosure. I did see something that said the uh, the director was it the director said um, he always kind of viewed it as a or he was about to become a father, and it was like kind of a story about just fatherhood and like what the lengths he would go to to protect your own stuff like that. Sure, sure. Um, I don't know. What were you thinking? So the the feeling that I got when I was watching this is a bit different in that this is a parable for somebody who, uh, two parents that either had something like a miscarriage or lost a child mm. at a very young age. And this mm -hmm. movie represents the entire grieving process of losing a child. Mm -hmm. You know, there's very specific things that where they, they talk about how... Um, uh, uh, like, like, like the wife says to, to Lucas, uh, Sarah says to Lucas, Lucas is the Roy's friend that joins them on this journey. Mm -hmm. She, you know, she goes, the, she goes, he did what I couldn't do. And what I, what I took from that is that she left when something happened to their son, she left because she couldn't deal with it. And he stayed behind to basically pick up the pieces and she is now telling Lucas like he's a better he's a better person than me because he actually did what I couldn't do, mm -hmm. and that and to me that's dealing with the grieving process, dealing with all this stuff. And for me, this movie very much represented them tr them <clears throat> basically these two parents trying to 
uh, escort their son's soul to heaven. Mm. Because these be- these creatures that, that the movie sets up as being sort of either extraterrestrial or ultra-terrestrial, whatever you want to call them, yeah. to me, they just seem like souls. Like uh, the, the lights that comes out of his eyes and the fact that he's in tune with everything, right? That to me, that's very soul heavy. And the whole, and the whole thing seems like you also, the fact that they talk about, you know, that, that the son is dying throughout the whole movie. So maybe it's not so much that the son died. Maybe the son got sick or whatever. And they're just dealing with a a dying child and preparing for that, that end of life kind of thing. I guess Uh it could be that too. But for me, it was more of a, a a guiding a soul. Like, Like they died, right? And you're guiding a soul to where they need to go basically. So if you That's if you, how I took it. If you got rid of if you got rid of all of the side stories where um you know like the cult is after him and the government is after him, I would definitely I I definitely see where you're coming from. Where does that stuff all kind of play into? I, it well, then, I think that stuff honestly I think that stuff is more for the movie. I think that there a lot of times you can have an idea and then just disguise it amongst a sci-fi movie where you have all the cliche sci-fi things that are put in place, right? Yeah. I don't know that all that necessarily matters, honestly, because the main story of this movie is the relationship between Alton, his mom, and his dad. So that's then, that's the story of the movie. So then, let me ask you this: the very the very last shot of the movie, how would that play into which shot are you talking about? The shot of uh, um, Roy's face. And what happens with his eyes at the very at the very end? So okay, so I noticed that they had they focused on his face mm-hmm. at the very end of the movie. Yeah, I think that I missed maybe that they focused on something else in his eyes. Then his eyes so light up. His eyes do. light up the way uh, not not like the big bright lights, but you know how like uh, Elton's like the irises of his eyes would go pale every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe to illustrate uh, that his son that. is with him all the time, you know? Maybe like the, you you redeemed yourself, you did this or whatever, <laughs> like, I don't know. It could mean, I guess it could mean anything. Okay. And so, who's to so say now, that what I'm so saying is stop. even correct? Okay, so now stop thinking about it in the way of, because I, I, li- I like that idea, but stop thinking about it in the way of it being like a, you know, a metaphor for losing a child. Now what do you think that means? I, I have no idea. I, um, perhaps that he's part of it all along too. Maybe he's one of these people. You know, you know maybe like, you Alton got that, it from him. And he, and he was I mean, just never would, in tune that with would it. Make, that would make sense, right? Sure, sure. Like... So I, I wonder if, because he he never he always wanted to get him to those same coordinates too, on that exact date. Yeah. He believed that something was going to happen. He didn't necessarily think it was like, oh, this kid is our savior, and we're all gonna like he's gonna take us to heaven or whatever. But he just he knew that something thought, important was. He gonna still happen thought it was very it. important to get him yeah. to that place on that day. So maybe it's because he knew more than he was letting on you know or he had a feeling like maybe he just felt it in his bones like there's something drawing him to there even though he didn't know what it was right you know that kind of thing um i don't know i know that um all i know is that i think that you can take this movie in a lot of different ways 
Mm-hmm. And I don't think that it should be explained. I think this is one of those rare instances where the ambigu- ambiguity of it is what helps it. Oh, it's not. I mean, like that's those are the types of movies that we love the most because I agree. Yeah, we could, we could stop recording right now and we could discuss it for another two hours. Yeah, if we wanted and to. and it goes back to what I was saying earlier. You have those stories about people that describe the spirit world basically as this world that exists between the lines. That's literally mm-hmm. exactly what this was. You know, so that, that, right. that, that, when I look at it, that's why I think souls. I, that's why I think that this person died and he's going to wherever it is he's going. And his parents are shepherding him across that that journey, right? Yeah. And whether that be mentally or whatever, like, who knows? Maybe all of this is just a visual, this whole road trip is just a visual representation of the mental anguish that you go through grieving with a grown child. You yeah. know, it's like it's like the the physical version of what you feel. That's mm-hmm. maybe what this was. Mm-hmm. Maybe the you know, you're asking me how you how you how you explain away, uh, you know, the government or whatever. The government could just be the outside world trying to tell you how to feel, trying to lead you in a certain direction, trying to hijack your feeling of loss away from you by by trying to get you to move on too fast or something. You know, like maybe I'm looking yeah. way too much into that, but I think it still works. I don't know. That's just where I'm, I'm working, at. I'm working on a different thing that kind of plays off of your idea in my head, but I'm not going to try and work it out on the show because <laughs> it would take me too Fair. long. Like we could discuss Fair. it, but yeah, it's. I think that I think that's a that's a that's a pretty good angle. Um. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, know. I, I just I just I like pe- it. I think people. Sh- I think people should just go watch this one. Because I think a lot yeah, of different 100%. people could probably look at it in different ways, and it's just yeah. It's got, I'd be very it's got a loaded up cast, like everybody is so good in it. There's no reason to not watch this movie. It's just it's I'd very I'd be good. very interested to hear other people's takes on it too. You know, whether yeah. you agree with us, whether you, you know, you think you get something completely different that we didn't even think of. I'd I'd love to hear that honestly. Right. Yeah. But um, anyway, that's uh, Midnight Special and Super Eight. We didn't really touch on the title of it, which doesn't. You got any ideas as to why the title is Midnight Special? Um, there was there was a theory that I read online, and I'm sure you've probably <laughs> read the same thing. But the theory is that uh, being that it's a throwback to '80s type movies, mm-hmm. you have the Twilight Zone, the movie, the very first part of oh. Twilight Zone, the movie is they're driving like, along the road listening and, to Midnight uh, Special. Yeah, so. It could just be a playoff of something like that. It could be, or I guess the I don't know. I guess the lyrics of that song are "Let the midnight special shine the light on me," and the you know the idea of light in this movie is pretty much the most important. Yeah, that part sounds of the that movie. sounds like a sounds like a good enough reason to me. It's just weird. It's like a very weird, vague uh, choice for a title. You know, it's also perfect. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's it is. also very perfect. Yeah. Because it's a weird, vague movie in a lot of ways, yeah. so yeah, <laughs> it exactly. makes sense that it would have a weird, vague title. Yeah. Anyway, that's uh, that's Midnight Special and Super Eight. I, I'm sure that we could talk about a lot of other things for both movies, but we're just going to leave I'm it sure. there. And um, if you guys want to discuss it with us, please, please do. do. All right. So next week is uh, 
my it's your bir- birthday week. My birthday bash. So, oh, wait, so, so finally, finally, we're actually on your real birthday yeah. week. <laughs> yeah. Finally, three weeks after we originally planned it for some re- some damn reason. Um. So next week we'll 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 actually be recording on my birthday, right? Oh, we will be. Is that right? Oh, I got to do something special for you, don't I? No, fuck? you don't have to do anything special for me <laughs> for crying out loud. Um, I have a, I have a second Aztec death whistle coming to you. <laughs> I'm going to blow that one out my butt while I'm blowing the other one out my mouth. <laughs> the Aztec fart whistle. Um, yeah, so we're going to be doing Happy Death Day and Happy Death Day 2. I mean... Uh, to you. Yeah, to, fantastic movies. Yeah, to you. Well, the first one is. I've not actually seen the second one. I've oh, you have the first one, though. Oh, no. all right. Well, I saw fun. the first one uh, in theaters back when uh, MoviePass was a thing, and I yeah. was going to see movies like every week. Uh-huh. Uh, it was one of the ones I saw by myself. I loved it, so I'm not, excited. Not for you only to see it. when not only when Movie Pass was a thing, but back when movies were a thing. <laughs> movies in real theaters <laughs> was a thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So oh, that's, those were the days. So that's uh, what we've got coming up next week. Uh, in the meantime, if you want to chat us up or you know watch our stupid videos or do anything like that, you can find us on Instagram, SoundCloud, and Facebook at the Buzzkill Podcast. You can also find us on Twitter at the Buzzkill PC. Uh, we're on every major streaming service, so uh, you've obviously already found us. So please tell a friend. Also, uh, we haven't done it in a while, but check out Trailer Trashed on YouTube. Hopefully soon here, we're gonna get back into doing some more of those. Uh, COVID kind of kicked us in the nuts with being able to do that. Uh, yep. But uh, hey, we don't we don't hey, plan on come, ending it. Just so you know, we're gonna hopefully get back come, to it pretty soon. Here. What is it? Come April first. Yeah, Michigan. The... Michigan's rolling out. Uh, everybody gets the vaccine by April. Uh, April fourth, I think it was. So. Well, everybody's eligible. You might still sit, eligible. You might There's still, still gonna sit be a waiting, waiting line list, but, for yeah. you know like a couple months or something like that. But at least we'll be able to get in the line. So. Sure. Um, and then once we're vaccinated, we're gonna start making out with tongue again. God, I'm gonna suck your dick so hard. <sighs> I mean, you could technically. I don't think you can get COVID mouth to dick. So, I think. I think that you I don't know, if you still, but if you touched it, if you touched right it before I, I sucked it, maybe. Oh. Right. So I'll yeah, I'll have to sanitize your dick. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, let's go to bed uh, together, it's late. so yeah, we it's, can it's, do it's... that. So we can do exactly that. It's 2 a.m. It's 2 a.m. our time. Hopefully you're listening to this at 2 a.m. your time. And if that's the case, good night, and we will see you next week.